Mama! Mama! We made it! <laughs> what it, what it, what it do though? Baby. The harmonies are getting tight. The harmonies are getting uh, really tight. Very good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? You got your boy Nushi in the building. And Roushi in the building. And we have an extra special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, give yourselves, wherever y'all listening to this, a round of applause for Miss Itika Old Wine. Yeah. What's going down? <laughs> In the building. Richmond, the California's building. very own All the Bay <laughs> Stand Up. Oh my gosh, please do, please. You feel <laughs> me? Bay Area. Shout out to the Bay Area. <laughs> Bay Area. Itika, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. This is an absolute honor and a pleasure. <laughs> um, I'm really looking forward to this story, man. 100%. This oh is goodness. this is uh, one that, that definitely, I thought about actually a long time ago. Aww. And I'm glad... My wife, Kalia, shout out to Kalia. Shout out to Kalia. Shout what to Kalia. up? Was like, you know what? You should have Itika on. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad she pushed me because I, I, I think you have a, a really cool story from what I've heard of it, but I want to get more into it and um, dive into the depths of, uh, of your journey, Miss Itika. Oh, my goodness. Dive in into the depths. <laughs> oh, the my Dive into the depths. So starting it off, you're from the Bay? I'm from the Bay Area. Tell us uh, about what growing up was like in the Bay. Oh, growing up in the Bay. It's so funny because as an adult, I have a lot of dreams about growing up in the Bay Area. Really? A lot of dreams. A lot of dreams. Um, Specifically about my grandmother's street. Because when my parents divorced, my sister and I moved in with our grandparents. Oh, wow. And our grandparents lived in the same house that they raised their children in. So it was the house that my mom grew up in, essentially. Oh, man. And the street was like your black middle class in that that middle working class, middle Mm. working class neighborhood. But it was across the street on both sides from the projects. And so we lived in the house, you know, on this street and in, in street with homes. And yeah. then there's projects on either side. Oh, crazy. Man. And across the street in the projects were like friends and family members. And on the other side where the other projects were, was were the projects that my mom moved into when she was pregnant with me and where I was born. Wow. I was born in the projects. Oh, but these, man. this, these were the days when the projects were like, we need housing that's affordable for young women who are mm. pregnant, like my mother, mm. um, or, you know, the people in this community can't afford certain, you know, housing. So we want nice, affordable housing. This is before the eighties when crack came and like, messed everything up essentially yeah. mm-hmm. so i dream about this street all the time so growing up in the bay area is, i guess that's how you know it just it's like you're living amongst a community of what i felt like were working class people that wanted to better themselves and you know were close with one another and some of them lived in homes in single family homes and some of them lived in projects mm. but we all lived in such close proximity that you weren't really judging anybody For because sure. that was your neighbor that was your classmate that was your aunt or your uncle um whether you judged them because they had more than you or less than you that really 
from my vantage point growing up, that really didn't happen. Now, maybe it happened for someone else, but it wasn't. That wasn't my story. Mm. Um, so I don't know. Okay, where are we go? What was like? <laughs> 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 well, so it's so interesting because we actually kind of hear similar stuff like that a lot where you don't really understand perception mm-hmm. until you're older and experience that stuff later in life but when you're in there living especially as a kid you don't really have anything to compare it to so right. there's not that like extreme difference right and it, it really sucks that people's perception of something like the projects mm-hmm. um, is deep dark super negative when you can actually have very fond memories exactly of that. exactly and i mean bond as far as didn't i mean i remember learning how to ride my bike in the projects i remember like going to school with the neighborhood like daycare center they kind of picked up and dropped off and you picked up some kids from certain you know housing projects and you Mm -hmm. picked up some kids from this home it wasn't like oh this girl's being picked up from the projects and this kid is being picked up from here as children especially i feel like it's harder to distinguish like class and color right. and project and, and where we were from it was like oh she getting picked up from there she don't play or her family don't play or don't mess with her <laughs> it, was, it was like that was like yo security you like oh they picked you up from there okay okay we know not to mess with you because you got family to live over there your cousins we heard about that so it was more so like where i was from like that was your security blanket that was mm. like you were you were not to be messed with or play with so got it was you. it kind of for me, I, I stayed in my lane when it came to those types of things. So mm. it it wasn't a bad thing from my vantage point on any level, from my perception. How old were you when you moved in with your grandparents? Um, I think I was like nine or ten. My Got parents it. divorced when I was like nine or ten. Mm. And my sister and I moved in with my grandmother and my grandfather. And it was so different because we grew up, when my parents were married, we grew up in more so like a maybe an middle class upper middle class <clears throat> suburb of the bay area okay so i don't know how how it is now but it these this area is like fairfield vacaville mm. you you're familiar mm-hmm. so that's where we we grew up after like my parents moved off the projects gotcha. and then they moved to like fairfield vacaville and then when they divorced we moved in with my grandparents and we moved back to richmond oh. and so it was a huge culture shock for me and i didn't realize it was a culture shock I didn't, I knew I felt different and Mm -hmm. I knew I, I had seen things that the other kids hadn't seen. Mm. That's what I knew. I knew I was moving into a community with people who had always lived in the community. But since I had lived outside of the community, I knew coming back in that I had seen things. Like I just knew I had seen things that these kids, these other kids who are my same age and hadn't seen. And so it was, it just made me feel like, I didn't want to stay there. I was mm. like, okay, I see what's going on here. I don't know about this. Well, it's, 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 <laughs> the, sure. it's the possibility. It was and the possibility. This is something that also yeah. comes yeah, up. Yeah, it it's, was the possibility. And my father lived in Sacramento. And so we would visit him. He was like every other weekend dad kind of thing. But I mean, amazing. Not, you know, yeah. showed up yeah. every other weekend, holiday, summers. So then we would be taken out of Richmond, which is, you know, at this time, you know, it's very, you know, it's, it's, I hate to say it cause I love my community. I love Richmond so much, but it, it can, it can be hard to see outside of Richmond. It can mm. be hard to see outside of, you know, 
I'm, I'm trying to be so delicate because I, <laughs> I love my people. It can be hard to see that there are opportunities for sure outside of like this the very bubble. small town that there's really no opportunities in. And yeah. so, and you're, and you're afraid. You're like, where do I go? Who do I talk to? I don't even know where to start. Whereas my dad was picking my sister and I up every other weekend and showing us mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. taking us to Oregon, taking us to Sacramento, taking us to Fresno, taking us to LA. Like these are all the places outside of Richmond. And we're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. It was just normal for us. Yeah. Whereas other children I knew weren't being exposed for in that sure. way that regularly. Yeah, and it's nothing against Richmond, like you're saying. There's pockets like this all around the world. Yeah. And, I mean, and the U.S. Mm-hmm. For sure. And California. Even out yes. here. You know? Yes. Like, there's cats in Inglewood that never been to the beach. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And, like, exactly. vice versa. Yeah. Exactly. So, that that was, that was, like, I think about that as, like, my saving grace. Because I, yeah. once my dad, you know, once we started doing that with my father, and because we had lived outside of Richmond with my mom and dad, I was always curious about other things. Yeah. Like, I never felt like Richmond was, like, it. I was mm. like, this is just, like, a stopgap until the next phase. What were you like as a kid? Like, what was childhood like? Dang, what was I like? <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> um, I think early on, my family was my family was very overprotective because they knew my sister and I were, you know, young girls growing up in Richmond. They were very protective of us. There, are, unfortunately, in communities like that, you know, there's a lot of like predators. Yeah. You know, you have to just be honest. You know, for sure. Whether it's family members, whether it's people on the street, mm. whether it's neighbors. There are a lot of people that prey on young girls mm-hmm. and maybe every community, but you know, in, in communities such as Richmond, it happens often. And so my family was very, very, very protective of us. So as a kid, I feel like I was just always trying to like stay in whatever pocket I needed to just stay in. So I never, I wasn't a bad kid. I wasn't like super duper curious to the fact that I was trying to get out the pocket because I was scared like yeah. I'm gonna get in trouble like I was that I'm gonna get in trouble girl I was like I can't do it because I'm gonna get in trouble <laughs> like I was not even trying to get in trouble I was not interested nope, I, I, I was like I'm gonna get in trouble like I was scared I knew it was gonna come to getting, like and my family didn't play so younger I stayed in my lane because I knew I was gonna get in trouble mm. and then I think around high school I started hanging out with with some girlfriends and they were like turnt in these days. They would be like the turnt girls in high school. And I was curious. I like, Oh, what's going on over there? What's going on over there? And I stopped caring as much about getting in trouble. So it really, I think high school, I think kid as a kid, junior high, I like stayed in my lane. And then I think high, high school around sophomore year, I started getting more curious about what was going on outside of this, place that my family had made sure I stayed in. Mm. Um, and then I just kind of just became Itika and I was, and there was, it was no holds barred. It was really a lot, a lot. Really? <laughs> what, what were your interests? Like, I mean, kind of going up to high school, like where, where were you, who were you becoming? Gosh, I mean, I don't know. I was always really bookish. Mm-hmm. I really was. I really always liked to read. There was no real internet. Lord, I'm aging myself. There was no internet. <laughs> it was like, yeah. There was no internet for anyone at this table. There was no internet whatsoever. <laughs> so I was really bookish. So I really liked to read. I did. I really liked to read. Um, I also liked movies. So, But we didn't go to the movies like that because we were kind of, you know, 
money wasn't like that. So we were always like watching VHSs. So it was like between reading and VHSs. And then, you know, I was a girl. So like, I think I liked Janet Jackson or something. And I had like, like a a small itty bitty window where I thought I was going to be Janet Jackson. And then somebody told me the first person and whoever they were, thank you, that I couldn't sing. And I was like, I can't sing. They were like, you cannot sing. (laughs) I was like, damn it. I can't be Janet Jackson. (laughs) But I didn't argue with him because I kind of knew in my soul that I couldn't sing, but no one had broken to me. I love it. What was that, that like, like? What was that conversation? Was it like, no, you can't sing? It was like, Itika, come here. Let me let me tell you something. No, they didn't play in my community. They was like, girl, you know you can't sing. I was like, what? They were like, you cannot sing. I was like, I can't sing. And then I asked my grandmother because she would give it to you straight to her. I called her big mama. I said, big mama, can I sing? She looked at me. She said, you can hold a note. I was like, dang it. I will never be Janet Jackson. I knew it. I was like, I will never be Janet Jackson. So I gave up my hopes and dreams of being Janet Jackson. And I stayed with. With a quickness. <laughs> I didn't even try. Like I was one of the people like, you tell me once. You ain't got to. Uh-uh. Just, I mean, I asked my big mama. She was like the it. Like she mm-hmm. was it. Like if big mama says it, it is. So if she would have been like, you can sing. Don't let these people tell you can't sing. Then I would have, you know continue on my journey to be Janet Jackson but when I found out I couldn't sing <laughs> I let Janet Jackson go and I and then I kept doing my bookish thing because that's how I was going to get out of Richmond in my head like I was like only way I'm going to get out of here is education because that's what my family told me they're like awesome. you have to go to college you have to go to college you have to go to college and then I looked and I'm like well there are no colleges in Richmond I was like so that means I'm going to get out of Richmond so then ah, I was like yeah. so then it was like college 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 so I think that's why I was really like into my books and then um and then, like I said, movies VHS because I had to stay at home. I couldn't. I wasn't allowed to go anywhere until, yeah. until like sophomore year. Then I could actually like go certain places. Was were your friends at the time uh, similar to you in terms of like diving into the books? And because uh, I feel like that's something as you get older, mm-hmm. um, could cause like a separation, especially with kids. I remember. You could not get me in the library. I was like, you know those things in the library you go for the summer and you have to read like 13 books <laughs> just to get like the puzzle piece or whatever. Like, <laughs> whatever they do. No, 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 no. I made my younger sister like double down on her books and like put my name on it. Like, <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Well, I'll tell you this. I, I was always comfortable and confident in who I was. And so because... I'm, I'm, I had to say that, and I never really thought about it like that, because I was confident in the fact that I was a smart girl, like I knew I was smart, like I just caught on to things, and I got things, and mm. I kind of like figured things out, um, and I did well in school, so no, I was smart, so I wasn't going to let people make me ashamed of being smart, so I kind of made smart being cool, oh. so I made my friends who were just kind of like slipping a little bit, like I told them like, so where are you going to go to college, <laughs> and they're like, oh. Uh. So, yeah. <laughs> so I made that you Tika in second grade where are you gonna go to college? I did I did I was like where big you gonna mama go? in the corner like mm-hmm. <laughs> answer the question answer the question exactly exactly I was like y'all gonna have to come over here cause we going to college over here yeah so and so that's I, incredible and honestly all my all my friends growing up all went to college awesome but and I don't want to take credit for it, but I will say that those if you wasn't going to college, like we you weren't in my crew. I love like it. it was that was like a thing. So it was like it was cool to be smart. We weren't nerds by any stretch of the imagination in that I hate to use that word nerd, you know, yeah. in that like that kind of thing. We were Education cool. matter. We were we were the we were cool girls who were in AP. 
Mm-hmm. in the hood <laughs> I feel you. like it was just what it was like it wasn't going to be anything else because i was like we got to get out of here y'all remember that <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it you know that's 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 essentially what it was thank god incredible it could when, have been something different when you when you entered uh high school you know you said like that's when you became itika mm-hmm. what was that i guess get into that evolution a little bit huh so i knew I knew all along that I was kind of just following the rules. You know, I knew that I had to do this, I had to do this, this, this. And then I felt like I wanted to like do different things. Like I was like, I don't want to come home. Like I want to actually stay out, you know? What was it like? Do you think it came from a, a rebellious place or just like a more adventurous kind of place? Like, you know. It came from curiosity. Mm. I was really curious of what was going on other places, like outside of my home, Mm -hmm. you know, like outside of my family. Like what did other families look like? What did they eat for breakfast? What did, you know, they do on the weekends? How did they, I don't know. I just was curious. Yeah. And then I was like excited and it was fun. And because I was raised in large part of my grandparents, they were a little older. So then you have these younger moms and then you kind of want to see like, what the younger moms were doing, you know, it was just curiosity. Mm. And then I found one girl friend in particular, and then we kind of formed a little crew who I was really excited about and kind of attached to and really curious about her life. And I think because I was so curious about her life, I just didn't care about what my family thought anymore. I was like, I don't know what's going on over there with her. What, what, What made you curious? She just was kind of like a, a whole woman at like 14. <laughs> she was just like grown. Really? She was like, I was like, girl, you are an adult. Like I knew it like <laughs> in my head. I'm like, you do things that like older people do, you know, but you do them. Like she would be in the mall. She would be in Oakland. She would be at boys' houses. She would be like in, in grown people's cars. She would be planning trips it was just so crazy i was like how are you doing all this stuff (laughs) like like she would be shopping like by herself she was just doing all of these things and we were like i guess 14 at the time yeah that or 13 or something that i just thought was relegated relegated to older to grown women so like you're you have to be older in order to do these things but she was doing them and that to me was exciting like i was like i wouldn't do those things too i thought i had to wait you know seven years you know to do <laughs> right. it you can do it right now um and so i think that sparks my curiosity mm-hmm. and then it was and then it just became kind of fun mm-hmm. then life became fun for like the first time gotcha. i was like having fun wow yeah i was having fun like i knew what i felt i was like this is fun like these things are fun this is what this is fucking fun. <laughs> For sure. Well, it seems like you, you were really breaking out of this shell mm-hmm. because you, you actually never had the opportunity to see. It was like goes back to kind of um, opening these doors to these new worlds that you're being introduced to. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and, you know, you're, we can be so defined as kids mm-hmm. of like what we like. Yeah. Like it could be anything from I like hip hop music. So I'm the hip-hop guy or right i'm the punk rock guy mm-hmm. or i'm the sports guy and you just start kind of defining yourself and when you get introduced to something you're like wait a minute i like that too mm-hmm. i just dab my foot over <laughs> yeah. there you know yeah so it must have felt pretty liberating for you it felt liberating because it felt like for so long i was told to be smart 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 and not be fun essentially like they can't almost be synonymous with yeah each other. 
And then when I met this girl in this in this and then kind of got attached to this group, I was having so much fun, but I was still doing my schoolwork and I was still focused and I was, you know, I was still a good kid. Yeah. But then that's where the I think the real fun for me came in and like I was enjoying myself as a as a teenager, preteen teenager kind of thing. That's incredible. Yeah, I remember it. Like it was yesterday. So much fun. <laughs> well, and, and it's interesting how you were able to um to maintain being a good student. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that wasn't a choice. Oh, okay. Like it was like, if you want to stay in this house, you're going to get good grades. Like it was not a choice. It was Got like, it. you want to live on the street and then you look outside, you're like, I can't survive out there. Beat <laughs> 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 me to the wolves. And my families did not play. They were, there were no empty threats. It was like, what you going to do? Mm-hmm. So you, you got a decision to make. And so I knew I had to keep my, it's almost up. a blessing though. Yes. Yeah. To be able to have that, I guess like veil, mm-hmm. but like not like level of control. Yes. But at the same time, have it like the value instilled in you mm-hmm. to the point where it's like, it's a part of your ethos. Yeah. But okay, you want to break away a little bit. You're getting older. Yes. As long as you keep your life in check. <laughs> yes. You could go ahead and do that. And that's exactly what it was. It, and it, it was in such a precise way you know Mm. what I mean like they couldn't have known how important it was to say that to me because I could have I don't think I would have ever just became the kid that was just like lost in the sauce Mm -hmm. but who knows you know what I mean but they were so adamant about these are the rules of this house now Mm -hmm. if you want to do this this and that there's that but these are the rules like in this house and they like I said there were no empty threats so they would have stuck by it like they would have you know Mm -hmm sent me packing and you knew that and I knew it and it would have been for out of love and out of respect for themselves so I come from like a very like prideful people so it's like you're not gonna disrespect me you 14 you still ain't gonna disrespect me like that kind of thing like you especially are not gonna disrespect me for sure so it was just that level of pride that would have allowed them to do what they needed to do just to show me that I had to be respectful and that's really what it was all about did you Going through through high school in this kind of new time, did you was there anything you were like ambitious about in terms of um, interest wise? Whether um, or was it just like I got to make it to college and from there I'll figure it out? Yeah, I think so. I think I didn't. I think I didn't. It's so interesting um, because later in life, I saw so much that I was like these. All these things are possible, mm-hmm. but I wasn't exposed to so. I know I was. I know it didn't happen until later because I wasn't exposed to it and I didn't have the imagination Mm. to take me somewhere else. You know, there are some children who have like vivid, 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 vivid imaginations. Mm -hmm. My imagination was pretty average. Like, you know, I imagined myself out of the hood. (laughs) I don't know what that looked like. (laughs) I I was out. That's it. But like, that was it. Like, it was not, it was, there wasn't anything else. Really? And now what? Like, my imagination kind of ended there, but at least it got me there. The blueprint started and ended with education. (laughs) That was it. Look, you want to get out the hood? Like, do good in school. That was it. We can't tell you anything after that, (laughs) nothing before that. Just. That's page one. Page one. You'll like the rest. You exactly, but my imagination didn't pass that. So honestly, all I thought about was going to college, 
And I was that girl who watched like A Different World and mm. Cosby Show as a young girl. Mm. So I knew what college looked like because I saw it on TV. <laughs> so I was like, that looks fun. Yeah. I'm going to go there. And then I had older cousins that went to college. I did. Thank, thankfully, my family, um, they press education on impressed education on us all. So I had older cousins that went to college. So I saw that. Um, But I didn't see professional people, meaning I saw what my grandmother did as a profession, my dad's profession, my mom, and I didn't want to do anything they did. And it didn't, you know, it didn't pique my interest. So I didn't see my, I didn't see myself as a professional because I was like, well, I don't want to work, you know, at the bank and I don't want to work at the this. Like I knew that, but I didn't know what it was that I was going to be doing mm. to make a living because I hadn't seen it yet. Mm. That That's makes so sense. interesting. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I hadn't yeah. seen it. I was like, I don't know what that, that thing is going to be because I know what it's not going to be, but I have no idea what it's going to be. Did you have friends around you that kind of um, had their ambitions or anything like that? Or were you guys more of a collective of... Kind of just this common bond of education. It was education and boys. <laughs> and For boys. Sure. Don't don't leave that part out, Joe. <laughs> don't leave it out. <laughs> it was definitely boys in there, okay? There were definitely boys. It was education and boys. But those two reasons, that was it. There was no I don't I don't think. I'm thinking for myself. I and our I'm thinking about to our conversations and you know we like to dress nice and get our hair done and our nails done and things like that but that was just kind of where we're from like you have to do like you get your nails done like what's, what's wrong with her you know like, <laughs> you know so it's just that's what it was but yeah I think we yeah we were just consumed with like we want to go to college and then like who's our boyfriend yeah you know so so when did uh, college come to uh become a reality for you um well it's pretty much always a reality no sorry (laughs) i'll rephrase that in terms of like you take sats but when it really starts like oh it's it's i don't know if it starts junior or senior year but it's like oh this is i'm going through these colleges like yeah um i mean i just was like going through the motions of high school to be honest Mm. so college was always like I got to do good in high school. I got to take these AP courses and I'm going to go to college. I actually graduated from high school early. Oh, you did? Yeah. So I graduated like after I really like senior year was mandatory that I went the first like quarter. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, they were like, well, you have to go the first quarter. I was like, fine. Mm-hmm. And then after the first quarter, I got a full time job at the gap across the street from UC Berkeley. <laughs> Cause I was like, this is where I'm going to, you know, eventually I'm going to be over here. So I just, <laughs> oh, so you, you wanted to go to UC Berkeley. I did not want to go to oh, UC Berkeley. Not. I didn't. I wanted to go to UCLA, um, which is where I ended up going. I went why, to UC why Berkeley. UCLA? I wanted to go to LA. Have you ever been before? I had. So my, um, my dad grew up in LA, went to Fairfax high mm. and he would drive us to LA mm. and we would drive through the grapevine. And as soon as we got over the grapevine, I would start seeing all these Mercedes Benzes. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God. Like, and I was a kid. I'm like, daddy, what kind of car is that? He's like, it's a Mercedes Benz. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I would look at me like, what's that? He's like, I was like, why? I was like, how do they have so many Mercedes Benzes in LA? <laughs> and he's like, that's how people are out here. They buy expensive cars. I was like, they don't do it in the Bay. He was like, no, not really. And I was like, I want to move to LA because they have all these Mercedes business. <laughs> it's a true I love story. that. That was like the, that's like the defining thing. <laughs> I love it. 
I am not playing. Like I remember specifically, and I didn't think of myself as a materialistic kid. I just saw them and they were nice and they looked luxe and they looked. Yeah. No, it's wild. (laughs) I used to visit. See, we I, had Volvos, yeah. but go on. Like, no, like, we, we were in the Bay also. Like, I used to visit my mom's friends out here when I was in like junior high. Yeah. And like Los Angeles is such a different vibe yes, from the Bay. Yes, yes. Like, you come out, like, it's I like a different remember state, telling my mom, like, we got to live here sometime. <laughs> yes, yes. Because it's just a different world. Yes. I tried to move here in high school and my grandmother would not have it. But I had a, I had a... Uh, aunt who lives here and I was like she said I could move here with her and I could do like since I only have my senior year I only have to do half of it she said I could do like half my senior year when I'm done I can move to LA she's like no yeah. <laughs> I, was like, Shit. I was like I have to wait until I go to college now okay 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 back to the you know drawing board but I um I don't know I just I was attracted to LA in that way and then the Bay Area I was always really cold I remember being cold and it being overcast yeah and I just didn't like it because it would make me sad like I would get that whatever that depression thing is they say it's like sudden weather some kind of it's like technical term oh i don't know this yeah because i used to get it when i lived in chicago Uh, i just i just know it as depression yeah but it's no it's a technical term that has to do with like the weather really interesting so yeah you need sunlight in london like have that for sure Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah but it 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 affects you and so i remember as a kid just being like kind of lethargic and not my bubbly self wow and then when the sun would come out, because it would be like overcast. It's not as bad in L.A., but it's probably like this in Santa Monica, where it's overcast until like noon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's sunny and then it's dark. Mm-hmm. So I remember like earlier in the day being like, oh, and then it would be like lunchtime. I'd be like, turn up. And I'd be like, oh, I got to go home. You know, and then it's dark. So I remember like not liking that yeah. and then not liking being cold and not liking being wet because it rains all the time. So the weather here, I was like, oh, my God, it's sunny all the time. It doesn't yeah. rain. Spring forever. It's spring forever. It's warm. Um, the wa- the water never really attracted me to California to Southern California because I lived so close to the water in Northern California. Right, so it really was never a water thing. Cause I'm like, okay, right. Like I lived a block from the water and never went to the water. And the Pacific Ocean, by the way, <laughs> is freezing all it's, the time. It is kind of dirty. For sure. Yeah, yeah it is kind of dirty. But that's, I mean, that's like, you go to Malibu, that, but it's like, you that's know. That's like a misconception of like, what people think LA and California, sure. like California sunshine and o- the ocean is freezing. It's freezing. <laughs> Always. It's freezing. It's not the, like, I like, I'll go to the ocean in, in Miami. It's warm. Like it's yeah. just so, and it's, it feels cleaner. I don't yeah, know. So is the air in Miami. Like Miami's human. Yeah. As hell. Like, yeah. yeah. It's just a That's different kind of vibe. It's a different kind of vibe, but yeah, I never, no lived, shade to Miami though. No shade. To Miami. <laughs> I love Miami. I just got back from Miami this, this weekend. I had such a great time. Um, it was a bachelorette weekend. But anyway, enough about that. Hey. <laughs> hey. I was so well behaved. Trust me. <laughs> I was like, damn it. I'm like, I've turned to, I've totally turned to, you know, over a new leaf. Cause yeah. Miami at this age compared to when I first went at 24, it's like, you know, night and day. Mm. Oh, well. So, <laughs> so you had LA dreams were on the horizon. I had LA dreams. I was like, I want to go where there are Mercedes Benzes and it's sunny all the time and it's not cold. <laughs> and funny enough, I never had a Mercedes Benz until about a couple months ago. Wow. 
because I was like, when I found out how much they were, I was like, well, who wants to spend all that money on a car? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> then, like, the Bay the Area in me turned. I was like, I'll get a Volvo. <laughs> <laughs> they made it work. I got to get education. I'm like, I'm used to seeing them out the window anyway. <laughs> Like, we'll just keep doing that. No problem. I'll just look at this. I candy. No problem. So yeah, that's that's I think that so that's what what made me want to go to UCLA. Um, did you have to apply to a bunch of different colleges? I did and I didn't. So as a are you guys you're from Cali, so you know how the UC system, Cal State system works. Yeah. You grew up outside of Cali. No, I grew up. Or here. you grew up, you grew up I'm, here. I'm right here down the street. I, I always think because your family's from um, they're from Ohio. Okay, okay. But you grew okay. So, grew you, so you guys know how it works. Like you're mm-hmm. from California, so you guaranteed a spot technically yeah. at a hundred percent at Cal State ish. I don't know if there's anybody doing it to a Cal State, but <laughs> Shout out to my people at CSUN. I see you. No. <laughs> no, I didn't go to CSUN. No, but you're pretty much if you you know, do well in high school, you can go to Cal State. Yeah. And then sure. if you get to a certain you're a certain percentile in your high school there, you're supposed to get into a UC. Mm-hmm. So I made sure that I was in that percentile in my high school to go to a UC. Um, as I would talk to my counselor, like I'm in the upper and they're like, yes, I take stay out of here. <laughs> I'm just making sure you can't ruin my life. <laughs> <laughs> my entire life. Like everything yeah. depends on this. That's how I thought. Yeah. Um, and then, um, I feel bad, but I didn't want to go to a HBCU truth moment because I was around so many black people all my life I was like I don't want to be around y'all no more <laughs> I hated it I hated to I hate to say it out loud but I was like I don't know I was like I don't know about you just wanted something new I just wanted to be it I just yeah I wanted something different and I I had this idea of HBCUs being just like Richmond mm. like meaning you know it's a little it was a little crabs in the barrel-ish for me um, that's the other part we're not talking about, you know, when it's just can be hard when you're, when you are kind of the smart girl and your crew is kind of like popular and I was a cheerleader and all those other things. So you get a lot of, you know, you get problems, you get people messing with you, picking on you, you know, trying to kind of make your life difficult for sure. You're in your, and I was just, my life was kind of throughout high school, you know, girls were trying to make it difficult. And I was like, I'm just trying to pop over here. What's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that's what I thought we were all trying to do. Just kind of have fun and yeah. get out. And so then I just was like, I don't know if I want to go to B- HBCU. Um, so I just, I think I, I, I'm almost certain, because it's so long ago, I'm almost certain I applied to two and got into both of them. Um, but then I ended up getting into UCLA and going to UCLA. And I kind of always knew I was going to go to UCLA because I wanted, that's where I want, that was my top choice. And UCLA is very hard to get into. Yes. I was the last wave of affirmative action pre prop 209, I believe. Wow. Yeah. And it was a big deal when we got there to be that wave. Wow. Either my year or Kalia's year, but we were like the last Mm. of the like, Pre-Prop 209, affirmative action is still intact. Mm-hmm. Like 100% you'll get into a UC if you write like a good, I hate to say a good, um, you know, your story, you know, your 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 admittance, what do they call it? The essay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah your you're, you're, you're like essay basically. Yeah, yeah, if you write an essay that's compelling, that talks about, you know, I overcame all of these adversities and I still had good grades and I still, which I 100% am like, 
heck yeah, you have to take that stuff into consideration. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm like living in Richmond, California, being raised by my grandparents, having to work all through high school to pay for like senior trips and everything like that, being the captain of the cheerleading squad in spite of all of that mm-hmm. and having all AP classes and graduating early, like mm-hmm. you better let me in is what I said. <laughs> yeah. it's There's so many things I want to jump into on that. Like, but even with that, mm-hmm. like wherever you are, that's mm-hmm. very compelling. Like yeah. just to do those things on a, on a for face value to be that active and just mm-hmm. to have AP classes was like, <laughs> I was in honors English and I was like, ah, put me back in like, like, English, please. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. I told, I told you about the reading. <laughs> You're like, that was a little ambitious. <laughs> yeah. I was like, can I just go like, but, um, so even on that, it's incredibly challenging no mm-hmm. matter where you are. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to just sidestep a little bit in yeah. in terms of the adversaries mm-hmm. growing up because the way you you've come you've kind of framed your your growing up mm-hmm. is there's a, clearly a lot you've had to overcome mm-hmm. but there wasn't it wasn't like um this very dark hard rough life feel mm-hmm. um you had a lot of support through your parents through your friends very mm-hmm. tight family. Mm-hmm. Um, you were exposed to a lot of possibility. Shout out to the sirens. <laughs> they always come when like some monumental I moment's I live downtown happen. LA, like a block from the fire yeah. department. So every time people come over and I'm like, just, this is it. This Let is it the go. soundtrack to our life. That's right. <laughs> this is the soundtrack. Playing track 12 right now. This is, a, <laughs> this is yeah. it. Like you just got to deal with it. So it's fine. I can't even hear it. Did you feel like during that time, the, uh, the sense of struggle did you b- battle with that internally at all it's so interesting I don't think I was allowed to mm. my family was like the struggle is life sure like it's not you're not special because you're sad or because we can't afford this or because you live here or because you know it was it was not now mind you my family worked really hard for me to not feel the struggle so yeah. you know we lived in a we lived in a home. Bills were always paid. Food was on this, always on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we went school clothes shopping. You know, I know that there are kids that didn't get to go school clothes shopping or mm-hmm. didn't live in like a home mm-hmm. or, you know, had to move from house to house. Once I moved in with my grandparents at 10, I never moved out until college. Mm-hmm. So I lived in the same home for, you know, from 10 to 17. Mm-hmm. Um, bills were always paid. We had cable. We had, we went to Costco and bought, you know, in bulk. So I don't, we just lived in a community mm-hmm. that was struggling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But we as a family, I think my family worked really, really hard. Awesome. They did. They worked really, really hard. So I have to give that to them <coughs> because it was that I think. And I think that's why I didn't feel it as much because they were working so hard to make sure that. And they used to tell me all the time. You know money doesn't grow on trees. And I would be like, what are they talking about? This whole money doesn't grow on trees thing. Like, I know you get it from the bank. Like, I know how this shit works. Exactly. I'm like, this is so strange. They keep saying that to me. But now as an adult, I'm like, Lordy, the fact that you guys pulled it off and, you know, is, is huge on your salaries. as well. Yeah, they did. And they figured it out. And they were very, you know, my grandfather wore like the same jumpsuit every single day. And I'm like, okay, there's that. You saved on clothes. <laughs> he drove like the same car for, it was like an old school Cadillac, not on purpose because he didn't buy, you know, new cars. Um, but the, that extra money, they have bought their home, you know, way back when. So there was no, you know, they 
pay taxes or whatever. So they didn't have to. So there were just things that they were able to kind of figure out early on. Mm -hmm. And then the rest, you know, they, they lived kind of lean and then the rest went into us. Um, And then obviously let's not forget that I was raised with my grandparents. So then there's like, my mom wasn't there and my father was, you know, every other weekend, which was awesome um, for him because he showed up very, very, very consistently, like a hundred percent. Um, so there was so much, but I just wasn't allowed. Like there wasn't any conversations like, are you okay? Is everything okay? Like it wasn't like that. It was like, yeah, cause it's like almost on paper. You can pull many excuses of why someone like you on a parallel path mm-hmm. could fall into many different negative scenarios. Sure. Right. Like there's like the check marks, the, mm-hmm. the, the boxes. Mm-hmm. I hope oh, that, okay. Divorce parent living, you know, boom, yeah. boom, boom. Like pull those cards, pull those cards mm-hmm. and find a reason mm-hmm. for why they didn't achieve or why they right. didn't overcome something. And I, and I think that would be fair to them. Sure. I think for me, yeah, no, no, even judgment. And that's on why that. it's, it's also like nature versus nurture, right? Absolutely. Like, were you born into this thing of who you are and where you are and who you're becoming? Or did you be, you know, did your upbringing and the people around you and all of that? So I think it was like a lot of nurture, but also a lot of nature. Mm. You know, I think just as far as I can remember, I just was very, clear and I wasn't easily distracted. Yeah. I think I'm more easily distracted today, but I think I can afford, I think I also know I can afford to be easily distracted. Like for sure I could be uh, ish, ish distracted, but then it was like no distractions allowed. I think it's imperative like to set the foundation as kids to really have parents or grandparents or family that really lays down the value guidelines Mm -hmm. not necessarily like there's a difference between being strict and overbearing yes but then there's also like this is my house this is my rules Mm -hmm. this is what you're gonna do to live within the confines yes um and naturally there's different areas where freedoms may not be as as readily available to others just being like the community and Mm -hmm. the dangers within them and whatnot but i feel like it's truly a blessing to have present parents or present figures that really give you structure and value as to like what is okay and what is not. Because naturally as kids, we're going to kind of like dip and dabble between them Mm -hmm. or just be scared shitless of it and just be like, Oh, well, you know what? That's not doing (laughs) that. But it really sets a tone for somebody to just like knowing what right and wrong is and being able to, Make the decision yourself. But that's also, I mean, that's not a guarantee, too. For sure. It's because I now as an adult, I've seen people parent and I've seen now I can see my friends parents from another vantage point mm-hmm. as another adult. And I'm like, oh, my God, like mm-hmm. you were dealt like a different hand. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that. Like, I thought everybody's parents were kind of pouring into them the way that mine were into me and mm. like really giving these jewels you know it was every day was like a life lesson to be learned and you know and everybody's parents weren't having those conversations or weren't even in the house yeah you know if they were younger or if they were you know had to work at night or you know who knows so there were a lot of things that kind of worked in my favor for sure yeah it's wild because like I even think back to my parents and like they used to always explicitly tell me like just focus on your grades we don't care what you really do like just get good grades, but mm-hmm. then they also tell me what right and wrong is, mm-hmm. and literally take me through the look. You're going to experience certain things. Yeah, that's fine. 
but always remember what your values are. So, mm-hmm. like, I feel like it mind fucked me in a way where I was just like, oh, yeah, like, <laughs> what are my good. values? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Can't bring the drugs out. And my mom's like, look, like, in that middle school time, my mom was literally like, look. I know that there's going to be weed and these things coming around. But what are your values? No, she, no, she literally was like this, though. She was like, look, if you're going to do it, I want the first time to be with me. Oh, yeah, yeah, You yeah. let me know. Yeah. I'll get it for you. Yeah, And okay. just do it in the comfort of home. But that just made it so uncool. Yeah, I was like, no, yeah, I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> Drug what? That's so funny because I had friends like that. And I was like, yo, the fuck are your parents? I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Your parents are like the coolest people on earth. I had friends like that. I remember them. And I just thought it was so crazy because my parents were like, if I catch you smoking weed, yeah. yo ass but like, grass. Look, there's, there's a real <laughs> but balance. I think that, no, it's, but it's an, it's an approach. You know, It doesn't mean For sure. one approach is right. Or, it's whatever is effective because almost but every, i used to almost think every that was girl like a, i knew mm-hmm. that like whose father was like you're not having a boyfriend at all yeah. until you're 18 was like literally the first one just like getting down in like the yeah. sixth grade like the yeah fifth, oh not like the, the sixth grade yeah no <laughs> it's crazy how rebellious they were yeah, yeah but like you think of someone being like look this is the the right and wrong of these things it's gonna happen you're gonna make the choice well i have to say i dated a guy forever who my parents and grandparents totally were opposed to and I don't want to say that if they liked him I would have not dated him but it was it was definitely a like oh they don't like him like it was definitely like made it more a little more titillating for sure <laughs> for sure like this if that happens that happens absolutely that happens that happens we live and we learn Ugh, jesus and i learn and i learn oh lord i learn please jesus no i learned <laughs> so so you get into ucla yes um first of all what was that feeling like were you oh my god i got into ucla i was like nope I knew oh this was going to happen. God. It was so weird because I actually got into Cal Berkeley before I got into UCLA. Oh, wow. Ugh. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go to Cal. And I was being pressured by a family to go to Cal because they didn't want me to go to LA. Mm-hmm. So my, my mom's family. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to get into UCLA. And truth moment, I got in as a winter Bruin. I was like, oh, my God, I got in the winter Bruin. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so I got into Cal as like, welcome, freshman boy. Yeah. And then I got into UCLA as a winter Bruin. I was like, oh, Ooh. my God. I was like, how, what is, how is this going to work? So basically, I got acceptance to UCLA as a winter Bruin. I was told I could go to FSP, which is a freshman summer program, and basically pay for my classes as, you know, in the fall and then officially be like a winter brewing, but I could still stay in the dorms. It was something. And that's because you start in January, right? Because I started in January. So basically yeah. my feeling was just, I was focused. I was like, okay, I got to go to this. I got to do this. I did, so I didn't have time to be excited because mm. I had- You just had to start planning. I had yeah. to plan to officially- be at UCLA and, and I didn't want to be a winner. I knew, I knew well enough to know I couldn't start in the winter because 
then everybody had already joined their cliques oh, and yeah. had made their friends. And I was going to be the like, orientation happened. The orientation yeah. happened. Like, Ooh, she was a new girl. Like I did not know. No, 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 no. I had, I grew up in Richmond. I knew what that was like. You got to get in early and strong. <laughs> everybody got to know your name day one. <laughs> so my feeling was like, I had to, I had to conquer a few things. So, yeah. So that's what it was. I got I went to FSP, um, where I met L'Oreal, right? She went to FSP, yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. And all the other people, I I had my classes set up for the fall. It like 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 I never was a winter Bruin, and then you know, so I was just focused on that. That's really what it was. And then like feeling the disappointment of my family mm. because I said no to Cal, and it was like a huge blow to everyone like really huge 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 because my grandfather's father fell off of a scaffolding when he was like building one of the buildings in uc berkeley and so my grandfather wanted like everyone to go to uc berkeley so my uncle went my aunt went you know Mm. and for me not to go he felt like it was a big like affront to the family like oh you're just not you're just turning your backs on us wow. and the legacy and your, you know, my father died falling from this thing. And it was a big deal. Oh, it was a big man. Deal. So it was, it was like bittersweet for me because I felt that and I knew that. And I, how'd you have the courage to not go there? Cause I wanted to get out of Richmond. Yeah, that, that was just <laughs> I such felt a like, driving Yes. Force I felt like yeah. UC Berkeley was too close. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was too close to the familiarity yeah. of Richmond. I did. And I hate, and Richmond was, it raised me. I have to say a hundred percent, like raised me, raised me. I would not be the person I am today, but I just knew I needed to break away from home. I did. I yeah. knew that a hundred percent. I was like, I'm not sure if i stay close i'm gonna fully develop into my person absolutely there's, a, ju- there's a level of growth like when mm-hmm. you're away from home that, yeah. that takes place yeah yeah 100 percent. and but it's hard when you have that much family for pressure. sure mm-hmm. for it's sure like sometimes you're like man i just i'm not gonna you know it, it's very easy to slide into that too yeah but that's also when you kind of hit that divide of like do i want to build my own life and make my own decisions mm-hmm. or am i going to be bound by somebody else's wants and needs to like appease them yeah. i feel like it's a very like critical moment that was a very critical moment for you it really was even though it was like planned in your head it didn't feel like a hard choice at all but when i think about it I would not be me if I would have stayed. I would not have, whoever I am today, like the Itika that you know, she would have stayed. And the other Itika, whoever she is, would have stayed. This mm-hmm. Itika would have made the choice I made if given 10,000 chances to make every a different time. choice. She would have made the choice I made every time. So I'm like very clear about that choice. Mm-hmm. Like super, as clear as the day I made it, even though it came with all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. It was never like, I never wavered. Got you. So when when you came down to LA, mm-hmm. it's weird because it's like uh, it's a stressful time, you know, trying to d- to dodge the winter brewingness. <laughs> I was dodging. <laughs> like, LA, we here, but I'm not supposed to be here for another six months. But I'm here. Hello. I am here, y'all. Strong and early, you know. <laughs> you had no idea. I am here. I'm. She's here. I was there. I was there. What yeah. was? What were those first kind of? Um, those first couple months like or weeks like uh, of embracing the city and, and being a part of it's not just being in LA but 
breaking free and stepping into this new kind of thing that you've dreamed about for so long? It was awesome. I mean, college was awesome. Now, I have to say, I started college with this incredible group of people. I mean, even like the basketball players that started with us who came to FSP, like Baron Davis, Earl Watson, yeah. like that group. Um, and the girls, you know, that I met and just in the non-athlete guys, um, it Don't just, them. I know. Well, I, <laughs> I say that to say, I say that to say, are you guys, under five, eight? <laughs> Hello? You guys are funny. No, I say that to say, because when you're 17 and you're like with, you know, you're in the same class as Baron Davis, you're just like, he's just some kid. You know what I mean? And then For you're sure. like 20 years later and you're like, Oh my ain't that something else you know what I mean like you're like but you you have to you have to take a second and be like that was kind of dope what you did (laughs) from there to now you know what I mean and then the the non-athletes did a very similar thing you know some of them are heads of studios and doing just amazing things but unfortunately we you know they don't have the same name recognition fortunately unfortunately however that works but it's the same you i've seen that for sure so i say that to say i started with this group of incredible smart talented um you know fsp was for minorities you know minority kids and we were all just super excited and eager and and happy to be at ucla and young (laughs) but like we were there it was it was pretty interesting I don't think I was I had quite landed on who I was yet because I was just like fresh out of Richmond and I was not as as self-aware so I just was kind of mm, I just was kind of observing and I think kind of participating in things that made me feel feel like a sense of community Mm, I was really trying to find a sense of community because I really didn't keep in touch with my girlfriends from high school or my guy friends from high school and I really wasn't close to my family because of the choice I made so I was really just looking for a sense of community what was that like was that hard it was actually not hard she's like nope no (laughs) and let me tell you why and this is a testament to the UC system so there are programs in place to make minority students feel at home at places like UCLA where there are so few of them. So one of them is the CPO, which is the, it's like community programs office. So it's an entire office and like by office, it's like a building that is, that is built for minority students. So they have like Mecha Calmecoc there, the African student union, um, you know, all of these, organizations that you come to and they're like, you're where your family will help you, will help you pick your classes, will help you pick your oh, dorm, wow. will help you awesome. everything. And so immediately that's where we all went because they basically came to us yeah. and we all joined um, the African student union and, and just different social organizations that were built specifically for minority students to build retention. And they told us that they're like, look, you're here. Some of y'all ain't going to stay. Some of y'all ain't going to graduate. We're here to hopefully help 100% retention. If we get this percent, we're happy. Mm. So that came almost immediately. So that wasn't hard to find. They found us. And mm. I'll give, I give props to those organizations that do sit at these college campuses for, you know, students that aren't represented as much and might feel like, oh, my God, I'm one of 500 in a, 10,000, you know, student 
class or something. Yeah. I don't know what the numbers were, but they weren't very high. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. Specifically for black men that weren't athletes too. Like, you know, props to those guys. Mm-hmm. So that was where I found my community and it happened almost immediately. And then, I, and then I was like, okay, I'm in the building. <laughs> and I'm staying. <laughs> College is such a, it can be such a pivotal moment for so many people. Because it's like, you're for the first time free. You know, mm-hmm. and you get to define that. You can start over if you want. Sometimes, you know, you're, you don't carry your identity from the person you were in high school mm-hmm. to college you know right. sometimes you can be a different person in high school but just the the reputation that you have for so many years for people that knew you you can't escape it right coming into LA and I want I want to take it here because education has been such the focus <laughs> yeah solely yeah. like we got through page one <laughs> we went to page two uh, hold up. <laughs> and, 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 it's, and it's blank <laughs> <laughs> I can't. It is blank. I can't. I can't. Um, what were your? What was going through your mind um, after you kind of acclimated, got your, you know, within the community, built your friendships, and kind of really built your foundation at UCLA? What were your thoughts? And I guess more in terms of aspirations mm-hmm. of going through college now, because it's a time where like you have the people that are like I'm going to be a lawyer, right? And that's it. Right. Yeah. In freshman year, you're like. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Bail me out in 10 years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, and people can be really focused or mm. you, you can be free and test the waters. Did you start to jump into to that side of yourself? It's so funny. So this is a conversation I would have with my younger self. I wanted to be a lawyer. Why did I want to be a lawyer? Because my grandmother watched Perry Mason. Period. Mm, wow. There was no other reason. I see. My dad used to watch that all the <laughs> Time. Perry Mason. All the fucking okay. time, bro. Black and white on Thug. Like, Perry Mason. Yes. Okay, that was it. Which went to Law and Order later. Perry like, Mason was no Law and Order. Okay, it was all the fucking time, Perry bro. Mason. Shout out to Perry Mason. Shout out to Perry Mason. Your May Honor. he rest. May he rest. Oh, wow. Lord. So that was it. I wanted to be a lawyer, but it was because my grandmother watched Perry Mason. So I was on this lawyer track and I didn't, I was a political science major because that's what you're supposed to major in when you yeah. want to be an attorney. And that was it. And then my junior year, I was like, mm, I should maybe go to the law office. <laughs> See what it's like. Smart move. <laughs> yeah. Smart move. <laughs> It took, it took three years. <laughs> I had never set foot in a law office in my life, y'all. You're like, well, he's kind of cool. Perry hold it down. I still had those yeah. Perry Mason thoughts. I was like, Perry Mason, you dig. Like, that's, I that's what I feel you, though. I was like, <laughs> I was like, there's no real reason that I need to do any other research. That was it. You saw <laughs> it all. Thank God you did. You saw it all. It's so funny. 
funny to even talk about it because it's like these are my inward thoughts when I'm like driving down the street sometimes. Like, you had your whole life set on Perry Mason? Like, who does that? <laughs> like, who does that? Like, what were you thinking? I yeah. feel you. But it was all about, it was all, it was all Shout on out Perry, to Perry Mason. Mason. <laughs> like, Maybe I should go into one of these buildings to make sure it's the exact same thing of what I've been seeing. It's Perry Mason. With the hella, like, explicitly implicit influence. You know what I'm saying? But I tell you, I tell you. So one day I decided as a junior in college that I should probably check out a law office. So I was like, well, shit, how do I go get into one? So I was like, maybe I'll like get a job because I've always tried to get a little money, you know. I was like, I'll get a job as a, as a paralegal's assistant because I, like, I knew that was it. That's entry, entry level. For sure. So I was like, well, I want to be at a law office. It's probably going to be fun. So I got hired as a paralegal's assistant at this law office in the Harry Flint building. Is it Harry Flint? Larry Flint? Harry Flint? Flint, Flint. Larry Flint. Larry Flint. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. Larry Flint, law office, paralegal assistant. We own. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, she ready. <laughs> so I show up and I was like, Ugh. <laughs> I, I wish I could see your face. Like, like, I, wish, like, I wish I could see your face. Like, like when you're at, when you're, when you're at the, the door, oh about God. to walk in. Like, like we're ready. Like, it's like was back ready. doors are playing in your I mind. Like, it's like I was turned up, I, and then it was like, and the doors open. I was like. <laughs> Ooh, I was like, what is going on? Like, is this, am I in the right building? So the paralegal. the secretary that's been there for like 96 oh my, years. Exactly. Yo. So the paralegal who I was assisting, I hate to say this, but she had like this really bad haircut. Like, like she went to like super cuts. I feel you. And I was like, that cannot be my life. Super cuts cannot be Mm-mm. my life. And then she was like, go get this file. Go get that file. And I'm like, oh my God, this is all we do is get files. And then. <laughs> I was like, I can't. She's like, like, when do we start doing law? Like, are we going to the court? Right. Is Perry Mason here? Right. And then, this is the clinger. All the lawyers, all the attorneys were older white men. And I was like, these cannot be my coworkers. I was no. like, this is not like... Because, <laughs> you know, you hear about your colleagues. Like, oh, me and my colleagues did this and me and my colleagues did that. And I was like, oh, my God. After our <laughs> meeting, <laughs> I went to another meeting and then a dinner meeting with my colleagues. Yo. I was like, gosh, I have to hang out with these guys. So then I envisioned myself hanging out with these guys. And I was like, that probably is not going to be fun. But I was like, it's okay. Because what I did hear was they were going to all these basketball games. I was like, well, that part is fun. So they're like, okay, such and such, Susan, this paralegal, like, we're going to go to this game, that game. I was like, oh, they go to basketball games. So that's of course, fun. her name is Susan. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, shout out to Susan. Um, but then they had a holiday party, and it was so it was whack. It was like this whack holiday party. And I was like, this can't be my life. I was like, I can't. And I, and I learned this in like a month. I was like, I can't have like a super cuts home girl and like only all like middle-aged white men colleagues. And I can't have like a whack holiday. Like this could not be my life. So in that moment, I told the guy that I was dating at the time, I was like, I don't think I want to be an attorney. And he went in on me. He was like, I knew it. He was like, you ain't made to be an attorney anyway. You ain't built for it. Like, so then he started telling me all the things about oh, me that were not I'm glad attorney. You brought this up because I'm waiting. And then he just went He's in. like, oh shit, word? All right, hold on. He brings a speech out. He was ready. 
I was waiting for <laughs> He was ready. So he told me all the things about me that were like non-attorney. He's like, wait, yes. did you say that? Hold on. Hold yes. on. Yes. Yes. I'm not this ready. Yes. So, <laughs> my list yeah. was a lack of attorney. <laughs> yes. So, and then he started telling me he knew girls who were pre-law or about to be attorneys and the things about them that made them Yo, good potential attorneys and this, the things about me. This motherfucker brought the bazooka out for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hold on, I got something in my closet. I gotta get this. He's like, damn, it took you this long. Hold yes, on. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he just laid it on me. So between like the bad experience <laughs> in the law office, and then my dude at the time basically Hell like no. double downing on why oh, I was man. not fit to be an attorney. I was like, okay, I guess I'll be an attorney after all. <laughs> he, gave, he gave the I'll kill a dream speech. You know what I'm saying? He did not give a I have one. He yeah, was like, let me just obliterate it. this. Dream, right? He killed it, y'all. You know I what's wish- hella crazy about law, though? And shout out to all the lawyers, but I always wanted to be a lawyer coming up as a kid. Yeah. My grandfather was an attorney. I used to watch like Law and Order, all that. You just got to pull stuff together. Ooh, for real. But yo, oh, every man. lawyer I've ever spoken to, I swear to God, every lawyer I've ever spoken to is like, bro, don't do it. Yeah. Every single fucking yeah. one. Yeah. There hasn't been one lawyer that's like, yeah, bro, I love my job. Like, but it's every single one's like, Mm-mm. don't yeah. do it. Don't do it. Yeah. 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 And then that's happened as adulthood. So now I'm like, huh. The only thing I will say, lawyers, I know some lawyers who make really good salaries. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah, but they're also putting in fucking like 500 billable hours There's a week. There's that. Because I'm like, they, I can't. they don't exist. I'm like, I can barely read like five pages that are like, Lightweight. I mean, I'm in a book club and I'm still struggling. I'm like, oh my god, these girls are trying to read this book, and it's like interesting. It's nonfiction or it's fiction or whatever the funner thing to read is. But yeah, so basically, those two experiences, yeah, taught me that I was not going to be an attorney. For sure. Wasn't that was that like how I discovered, or that was like was that the initial question? We just kind of. I don't know, off. but we're here. We're no, here. yeah, yeah. But but it's all, but it's also a beauty in in in. in in when it comes to careers and wishes and wants, yeah, like in being able to dabble within, I guess the fields that one has interest in, like mm-hmm. shout out to like internships, and yes, all these types of things yes, because totally. Even nowadays, I feel like so many people have their mindset on mm-hmm. a career path; that yeah. they have no fucking clue what it really entails. Yeah, like what we. You know, and even in today's day and age, what we see in entrepreneurship and fucking like all these other like, you know, thought leaders and go get it. And what Mm -hmm, the fuck are you mm -hmm. doing? The thought of a lot of things Mm -hmm. is incredible. Yes. But you have to at least experience them. And I feel like so many people have such a rigid like, okay, I need to do this to get to where I want to go down there. And it's such a linear path. Yeah. Whereas, let me try this, that, the other, this, 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 this. And instead of looking at that as scatterbrain, it's just like, let's find out where our passions lie. Exactly. Or let's find out where our interests lie. Because, like, you, f- thankfully. Thank God. Took the step to be like, let me roll up into this law office oh and see what, it, what it's about. <laughs> and you walked up into Susan. I was like. <laughs> looking all crazy. She, I tell you, I still remember her little super cuss, you know. Yeah. Little, side thing that was just Susan brought her rollers in the super cuts and just like had it on heat (laughs) I was like I was like this is not for me it was and it was totally different than what I thought working in an office would be like um essentially so that's that's a great testament to you have mm -hmm. to experience something you have to to know if you like it or you don't yeah 
the thought of things is a lot more like unicorns flying mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. the actual experience. Yeah. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So many cats want to be bankers and do like eye banking and all this shit. But when they're working 150 hours a fucking week and they're like sleeping under the desk in their office and yeah. getting berated on a daily basis, mm-hmm. they may have money to go out to the club and blow up, but they're literally like living a non-existent lifestyle. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, some cats want that. They see that as the greater good. And mm-hmm. they're willing to be hazed for three years in the process. And, and for some, it's a good fit. For sure. <clears throat> so I could have been but in you that. you have to find out. You have to yeah, find out. Biggest, like, exactly. You have to find out. You have to put your foot on the ground somewhere. Yes, you have to find out. So for me, I could have walked in there and it could have been a different situation. I could have been like, oh my gosh, Susan's awesome. She's so yeah. supportive. I go get her files. She says, thank you. Like, but I was just for like. sure. This no, nothing about it felt right. It didn't right. feel right. like a good fit. It didn't. It, it was not a comfortable moment for me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was a blessing in disguise. Oh, it was a blessing. Yeah, it was. Like, I feel that God was like real quick. Cause Cause, yeah, I mean, it happened in, in you know junior year. That's yeah. when when you kind of start deciding mm-hmm. for sure where things get serious, which is so ridiculous in the schooling system. Of yeah, like, the pressures on to figure out what you want to do the rest of your life. Yeah. Like that thing weighs on your young ass we, like we're so it's trained so, to think about the rest of our lives it's so there. crazy it's so you know what I'm saying? yeah but it's also you know it's an institution for yeah. sure so they're like we got we got business to take care of Absolutely. so we don't have time to have you over here com- confused right no it's true <laughs> like What's your major? Pick a major. Exactly. Maybe pick a minor if you're a little confused and you have up until here to change your major, your minor. But, um, yeah, it's an institution. They're trying to get things done and trying to roll out the next, you know, group of young undergrads. Young co-eds. So, So So, yeah. When you're a... when when the Perry Mason games were crushed, <laughs> yeah. when, were when, crushed. when the channel turned off, they <laughs> yeah. were crushed. When they pulled the plug, they pulled the plug on Perry Mason. When the show, when it was, <laughs> um, your honor, what was a you, your pivot at that point? So at that point, I had I had been a political science major, mm-hmm. you know, and I liked poli sci, and I was really involved in. Um, the African Student Union, and I was, and I liked, you know, I was into like race and politics. My family was very, like, um, you know, my my family they were activists essentially. Like my mother, my grandparents, they were all activists. Mm-hmm. Like we, they talked about Huey P. Newton. I think I went to one of like the Black Panthers funerals at a very oh, young wow. age, but I don't remember. But I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I did. Mm. But they were just very. <clears throat> You know, being from the Bay, you know, those were just conversations that were had. So I knew that those things interest me. So I'm like, politics interests me and race interests me. And I started talking to my professors and I was like, look, I'm a political science major. I I don't think I want to be an attorney. I don't want to be a lawyer. Like, what are my options? Mm. And they were like, well, you can be an academic. They said you can get a PhD in political science. You can study. You're interested in race. You're interested in politics. Like you can study that. I was like, okay, that sounds cool. Mm -hmm. It sounded super cool. So I ended up getting a fellowship, a Ralph Bunch fellowship and going to University of Virginia for the summer before my senior year. And through that fellowship, I was um, able to apply to PhD programs at different universities all over the country. And one of them was University of Chicago. 
and very similar to my winter brewing experience. <laughs> I did not get accepted into the PhD program, but I did get accepted into the master's program at University of Chicago. So then I ended up going to get my master's from University of Chicago in social sciences with the promise, if you will, to then go into the PhD program at University of Chicago. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. How'd you feel? <laughs> How'd you feel about that direction? Was it inspiring for you? It was dope. I was like, hell yeah. Like, I would rather be hanging out with these guys. Because when I went to the Ralph Bunch Fellowship, I was with other minority students who studied race and politics. But they were all turned. Like, it was like a summer. It was like... <laughs> the turn of summer it was like FSB all over again. I'm like, Oh my God. This is so <laughs> like, and we were in Virginia and I was in a college town for the first time. Cause UCLA is not it's in a not, college it's town. It's a commuter town for sure. So I was in Charlottesville living and it was just, I loved it. I loved it. So I was here for it. It was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like I was mm. supposed to be here. I was supposed to be here amongst this group of, of students. It was a small group. It was like 30 of us. I was supposed to meet all these recruiters. I was recruited. I was meeting recruiters from, you know, Rice, Brown, University of Chicago, Columbia, schools that I had never even heard of, yeah. you know, being from California. And it was life changing. Why'd you pick a, why Chicago? I picked University of Chicago because there was a professor there, his name is Professor Dawson, who was doing a lot of work that I was very interested in, like race and politics work. And so I was told that if I went to University of Chicago, I would work under him mm. and go take his classes and things like that. And, or, you know, he would. That's what I did. So I was like, okay, that's the one. I, I just really loved what I read that he wrote and just his teachings. And I was really inspired by him. That's awesome because Chicago is very different from LA. So different. Yeah. I mean, weather and everything, and with just like the city itself, the just the pulse of it, all of it. Yeah. So different. But I was, it was so interesting because the weather never intimidated me. Mm. the weather in Chicago never intimidated me until I got there and I felt it. And I was like, and you felt oh, that wind. I felt it. Yeah. I was told in your bones, I was told and I was like, uh, it's fine. Yeah. You've cover up. But I felt it. I felt that weather and that, that was ooh, life changing. But yeah, I went to University of Chicago. Dude. Now going to Chicago, cause I know this is a, we're, we're getting into a, a very interesting chapter in your life. <laughs> um, I actually, you, I told you I thought you were from Chicago. Yes, most people do think I'm from Chicago. Yeah, and um, it seems like, you know, comparing Chicago to, to L.A., it seems now you have a lot more purpose where mm -hmm. the page was kind of blank when you went to UCLA. Oh, that's a good analogy, yeah. You know, now it's like, okay. No, remember, I wanted to be Perry Mason when I went to UCLA. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. right, exactly. It was... The it was TV super show blank. Was yeah. It was super, super blank. blank. It was as yeah. blank as it gets. Exactly. She wanted to be Captain America when she went to UCLA. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, that's what happens. You go to college, you, you become a superhero. You become um, a superhero, yes. But now kind of getting into, you, you've experienced a lot up until this point that mm -hmm. I also don't want to like, that I want, that I want to emphasize too. Yeah. Of, you know, being away from your family, creating your own identity, mm -hmm. finding a purpose, finding something you feel right about, something that drives you a little bit, you mm -hmm. know? And something to look forward to because up until this point, it's been, I just need to get out of Richmond. Yeah. But now you have something that, that really is, um, is inspiring you. Yes. Inspiring your thoughts. Yes. The, the way you want to think about life, the things you want to start getting into. Mm -hmm. And for most people, it's kind of late. 
It's kind of late, you know? really. I think so because Jeez, no, think me. about it. No, a lot of people. I'm just. I say that not to not as like no, no, good. no. I'm interested. Yeah, in just because, it. no, because most people try to like get that done in their undergrad. This and, like, dude, this dude brought out the notepaper, <laughs> yeah. like, reading off the list. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I, I, dude, I, I, I was, the, I was the eight-year college student. <laughs> I, Talk about late. I graduated like 26. Like, oh, and you judging under, me? Undergrad, undergrad. And you judging me? No, okay. No, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's it's interesting, in in the way your journey is. Well, I was gone. 21 when I graduated college. Right. It's still very early. Yeah. Yeah. I, it felt. It felt. Maybe it was late. Okay, let's talk about that. No, okay. not, no, I, no, I don't. No, mean, no. I don't mean late. It's just. Uh, it's it's more cool to know that. This part of you started coming out as uh-huh. you're getting your master's and yeah. with a PhD in mind. Yeah, where yeah, yeah. most a lot of people, including myself, is like undergrad and I'm out. If yeah. that, yeah, you know? yeah. The master's didn't even. <laughs> like, well, I, I gotta still be in school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. Um, and they're trying to just just get out and get a job. Yeah. So it's cool to see, see this blossoming starting to happen with you as you're entering this, you know, very kind of a. Uh, pivotal time in your life in Chicago Mm -hmm. get into a little about Chicago and kind of how it started to shape what you were doing with not only your studies but your the future that was going to become gosh when I got to Chicago I was a very intimidated because I was with like some of the smartest intellects you know Mm. in the country Mm -hmm. and I knew that and I was like, I'm not an intellect. I mean, I'm not. A, and, you know, everyone called each other academics. Like, you're an academic. You're an, and I'm like, I'm not an academic. And they're like, yes, you are. And I didn't feel like it. And mm. one thing that a lot of people did there was like they theorized everything and they used words. You know, they would even make up words like to make a point. And I remember being in anthropology and I was like taking notes and I was reading my notes and I'm like, are these words? Like, I know he said that. Like, they're like, these are, these are like, <laughs> these are these real words? Like, Welcome is this a thing? the moment we made it podcast to folio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, is this a word? Like, I'm like, how can I make sense of any of it? I'm like, I'm Google, like dictionary, encyclopedia. Like, is this a word? Like, it was just so, it was hard to follow because it was so. Are we in a book? Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> it was just, it was hard to follow and I just didn't feel I didn't feel like I was cut from the same cloth. Mm. Why? It wasn't that I didn't feel like I was as smart. I just felt like I was, I wasn't here to just theorize with a bunch of other. It was foreign. Yeah. I wasn't just here to just theorize with a bunch of intellects or academics or talk, you know, what I thought in this. It was just too much. It was too much talking. It was too many words that I didn't know. It was like, I don't know how to explain it. It was, it you just felt a little disconnected. I felt disconnected. I felt like, okay. I feel like, again, it's like the foot on the ground type scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the thought of academia. The thought the, of academia. The, the thought of higher level of education with these types of thespians. <laughs> thespians. Of a miraculous <laughs> world. Of, 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 <laughs> no, but like, I feel you. Yeah, like and then you, when I got there, you, I was... You came in, like, with high hopes. You, you got in there, you're like, oh, wait, hold on. This is what this is? Yeah. And then the other thing is, I also like to turn up. So I was like, well, we're... And I was like, wait a minute. Like, there's no time to turn up. Like, you're studying. You're, you have a 25-page paper due in two days by three different professors for five different topics. Like, Wild. It, I mean, it was crazy. So then it's like, I was kind of 
in like a slave to this system for the entire master's program. And I didn't like that. I was like, I have no outlet. They're like, you I mean, go to, I don't know. You like know, you want an outlet? You can go to your professor's house and hang out, you know, and very seriously. Let's talk about theorizing. And that's what, you know, a lot <laughs> of people, magnanimous a lot of people did that <laughs> and enjoyed it. But it was like, there was, you just didn't have the time. There was just yeah. no time. It was, you just studied and, mm. and produced and thought and read yeah. and wrote. And, and I was like, okay, I don't want to just do this. Yeah. Like this is too much of just, like yeah. I just, I will lose myself in this. What did you want to do? So I didn't know. I didn't know. But one thing I didn't know was that I loved Oprah and Oprah was in Chicago and I needed an, I, and then I needed an out from university of Chicago cause it was too much. So I talked to one of my professors and he was like, or she, I don't know which one they were like, you could do an internship and get credit for it. You basically have to write like a 25 page paper about your internship. I was like, okay, so all right, I'll get an internship cause that'll get me out of this university setting and I'll be around other people and I can do it, get an internship in whatever I want to get an internship in. As long as I write 25 page paper, they're like, yes, it's, it's like it reminds me of you trying to get out of Richmond, right? Yeah, it's like it's like the <laughs> my escape route. So I'm like, <laughs> well, Oprah's here. Maybe I can intern with Oprah. It was my thought, and this is pre-internet. So I called and I was like, hey, do you guys have interns? And they're like, yeah, we actually do. And I was like, well, you know, I'm a student at University of Chicago. I'd love to intern with you if you will have me. So they asked me to fax my resume. Because there's no email. I just oh got my that God, job. I'm so <laughs> Stop oh that. God, I can't. Stop that. Get your facts. Stop that. Get your facts, Emily. that damn paper. <laughs> get Stop. your facts. Get your, get which, your dial-up. Which, which means they're like, you have to have a, access to a fax machine. Like, <laughs> was there a dial-up? Was it a dial-up fax machine? For sure. Now it was, you like fax from your phone. I'm like, oh my God. Fax assist. <laughs> yeah. Unreal. So I faxed my resume to the Oprah Winfrey show. Wow. I got a call. They said I could come in for an interview. By the time I got home, because I didn't have a cell phone, they had left a message on my home phone that I had gotten the, inter- the internship. Mama! <laughs> wow. oh, we made it! Hey. <laughs> Just to give it... That's wild. <laughs> it's a true story. It, that's incredible. It's a true story. And I like took the bus and the train and everything <laughs> in like a tweed suit. <laughs> in the dead of winter in Chicago oh, from University of Chicago. You, I, I want to And this is coming bit. from somebody that like <laughs> did not like the cold and the, the doldrums of it. Right. Yes. And ended up in grad school in one of the areas that's like fucking freezing cold. Yes, yes, yes. Now, was, uh, you know, you say you like Oprah. How big of an influence or were you watching her show all the time or, or like... <laughs> So I had a summer, I had a summer at my dad's house. My dad moved to Fresno for whatever reason in like a one cow town. He actually moved to Madera, which is like 20 minutes outside of Fresno. He lived in a one cow town. And I spent a summer in college, some summer I spent at my dad's house. And I watched Oprah every day. Mm, I watched Ayanna wow. Vassan. Right it was like Perry the, I, I read, but right after Perry Mason, <clears throat> but that was the highlight of my day. Like Oprah comes on at two. Like, that was it. Like, yeah. whatever happened before two, whatever happened after two didn't matter. But I knew that Oprah came on at two. And so I watched her for a whole summer. 
And it was the summer where Ayanna Vasant was like introduced to the world. And I would just cry like a baby because wow. Ayanna was, you know, she was breaking it down. For and, sure. You know, this, I think this was before Beloved. Now she says Beloved all the time. I don't know if she said Beloved then. But she was just breaking it down. She was fixing lives mm-hmm. before there was Ayala Fix My Life. Um, and it just made me love her. And then I loved Oprah for like introducing Ayala to the world. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I think introduced me to Oprah. Straight queen level. I was here for it. I respect that. <laughs> I was here for it. I was here for it. And then I'm in Chicago and I'm like, oh my God, I have this opportunity to work with Oprah. And it's, it's, it's really the one opportunity you went for. And that's what's so cool. It's, yeah. it's not like, all right, let me throw my resume. Let me fax oh, my no, resume Oh, no, no, no. There's a his... story. So okay. I was telling this guy I was dating at the time, the same one that told me I could not be an attorney, uh-huh. that I was going to apply for a job with Ebony. Mm. And he was like, what's wrong with you? Why would you apply for a job with Ebony when you have Oprah? Yeah. <laughs> so he's like shading. No shade to Ebony. But he was he helped me like kind of direct you know, to Oprah. But then I was like, mm, I don't know. So then I applied to a job, an internship with Fox and I got it. So then I'm like, how do I tell Fox? I got Fox and Oprah. So I'm like, how do I tell Fox that I'm going to take the Oprah job? I didn't know how to tell this woman. Cause I had already met with her. She had given me the internship. So I sent her a fax <laughs> saying, <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't wait to see what this <laughs> I can't wait to see. Shout out to the faxes. I sent her a fax saying that I wasn't going to be able to take the position after all because I had gotten another internship opportunity. Do you know this woman called me? Stop. It changed my life. She said, Itika, I understand that you got an inter- another internship that you wanted, that you want to take. She's like, but we met and you accepted my offer. She's like, and the fact that you sent me basically a rejection letter via fax, she's like, it really is bothersome. She's like, and you, sh- you next time you want to, you know, tell someone that you're not going to take a position, you should say it in person or call them. She's like, because you do not want to burn any bridges. Mm-hmm. And that changed my whole, it changed everything. Like I think about burning bridges wow. all the time. I think about it all the time. Whoever she is, she worked for Fox African-American woman in Chicago. I don't forget her name, but when she told me, you know, to do this thing so that I wouldn't burn bridges. It like so resonated with me. Wow. That is a, that's a, that's a power lesson right there. Yeah. She's like, Big you don't want to burn any bridges. Mm. So then I started working at Oprah and you know, she wasn't my, she, she, you know, that was it. What was that experience like? My internship at Oprah was life changing because I had for the first time, I was working somewhere where I was enjoying myself. I was like, I love this. Like, I love where I work. Yeah, Yeah, I was an intern, but I was doing work. I was like, I love where I work. And I was looking around and everybody seemed to enjoy themselves. Like, everyone seemed happy. Mm. Everyone looked different. It was a multicultural building. It felt very multicultural. You know, I don't know if everybody felt that way, but it felt like that to me. It was diverse. Um... It was, you know, there were, you know, people who were gay, lesbian. There were, it was just such a melting pot of people. Mm -hmm. And I was, and it made me feel so comfortable. And maybe because I come from the Bay Area and I'm used to like diversity. Yeah. 
I was like, I've never seen this before in a, in the workplace. Like For I saw sure. it at school, sure. but I didn't see it in a work environment. So I was like, this is dope. And then everybody was like on point. Like they were just on point. You could just tell. You could just, they were like the Mercedes Benz that I would see driving in LA. Mm. They were just the Mercedes Benz of human beings. <laughs> <laughs> they were just all. That's incredible. I love, I love that. that. Yeah. They were just all on point. So I was like, I like this and I could probably stay a while. That's how I felt. Awesome. Yeah. I was like, they're going to have to kick me out of here. I liked it. I liked it. I liked it. And what's what's cool is as an intern, you're just soaking up everything, but the work you're actually doing is just like whatever. But it's a testament to how important the environment you're in is in the workplace can sometimes be way more important than the actual work you're doing. Yeah. I mean, because think about it, bro. Like, you're, you're almost at your job more than you are at home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're, and to me, like, I, I tell this to my sister. I have a younger sister who is a, a very diligent worker. She's, she's, you know, I can just, I just know her. She's that girl who's never taking days off, never taking sick days, never taking vacation, but still dealing with, like, corporate America. Yeah. And I'm like... I tell her, I was like, don't let these people fuck with you. I was yeah. like, don't do it. You wake mm-hmm. up every day, you come there, you give them all you have. Like, do not let them fuck with you. You know? For like, sure. You know what time it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, stand up for yourself. Represent yourself. You're not a slacker. You give it your all. You you have two children at home and a husband. Like, you know, so I feel just feel like with work, too, some people, you know, they definitely take, in some instances they're employees for granted Mm -hmm. and you know you really have to stand up for yourself in the workplace but i say that to say i didn't feel any of those things when i was interning at the oprah show i felt just it was just like you know candy land that's what it felt like absolutely you say you could stay there a while in your mind what did that really mean i mean other than just like i'm hanging out for a while (laughs) like did you see a future there in some way post college like were you because were you, you're still going to school at the time right I did yeah yeah I could see my future there post-college but I did not want to stay in Chicago mm. so there was that that for me was a hard it was hard for me because I didn't want to stay in Chicago I was mm. like I love working you know I love interning at the Oprah Winfrey show yeah and I had a very good feeling they would offer me a job but I did not want to stay in Chicago. And inevitably, that's what happened. I left Chicago. And they were like, we were, we would have offered you a job. But I left Chicago because I was like, I can't take it. The cold. How long were you there? My internship was, wasn't long. It was probably six months, you know, like six months. But it had a big impact on you. Huge. Because I ended up going back to work full time and then stayed for longer. <laughs> really? Yeah. So I left Chicago. I did some some traveling. <laughs> I yeah. moved to where did I move from? I moved to New York, and then I moved to back to LA. And then when I was in LA, I got a call from the Oprah Winfrey Show, and they're like, "We have a position we think you would be great for. Would you consider moving back?" Oh wow! And I was in LA. I have to say, I had a small video girl stint. So I was in LA. <laughs> I love it. I love Oprah, it. I can see myself future here. I can't deal with Chicago. 
There's this video girl opportunity. <laughs> I have to take it. Listen, I was in L.A. I was a hostess. I worked in the newsroom with Peter Jennings, and I was doing, like, videos on the side to make ends meet. Yeah. Wow. And A true story. And then the Oprah show called. Let, let, me, let me ask you this. So, so this is, like, post- this is pop. I have a master's from University of Chicago. You have a master's as an academic. <laughs> as an academic. Like, the smartest person <laughs> on the planet <laughs> is going to be in this video. Yeah, I'm going to be in this video. No, not, not to knock video people. I, I sure never twerked, smart, though, I have to say. I kind of want to know. That was pre-twerking. I, I, was, I, was, a pre-twerk, I, I was a pre-twerk video girl. I, we didn't elevate there yet. Let's just elevate it. Let's elevate it. I no shade to what, the twerkers, because I, What know. was that? <laughs> I don't know if it was a whirlwind, but what was that whirlwind like of getting your master's and also kind of just being like, you know what, like I just need to figure this stuff out and kind of just like moving to find (laughs) yourself after. It was dope. It was dope. It was like I moved to New York. I started working at The View. And I had, I, I decided after working at the Oprah show that I wanted to work in TV. I was mm-hmm. like, I definitely want to work in TV, but I cannot live in Chicago. So I have this master's. I'm in New York. I get a job. I get my job at The View the same way I got it with Oprah. I just called them. I was like, hey, I saw, you know, I'm just wondering if you guys are hiring, you know, entry level production. They're like, we actually are. Great. Do you have a fax machine? <laughs> right. Listen, <laughs> but this is what I did. I hand delivered my resume to them. Guys. Nice. Hand delivered it. They called me for an interview, hire me. So I started working at The View. Amazing. I'm living in New York. I'm working at The View. I'm running around Times Square doing this and that. I'm in set, you know, whatever. But I couldn't afford to live in New York on The View salary. Just couldn't do it. And I was not here for the struggle. For sure. I was like, I'm here. I'm here. No, I'm not here. I'm not yeah. here. I'm like, I'm not here. I was like, I tried yeah. to be here, but I can't be here. Yeah. I just wasn't there for the the struggle. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to move back to LA. And they were like, sad to see me go. But they helped me get a job at the newsroom. And at the Prospect Studios, ABC. So yeah. ABC is the view. So they were like, we'll help you get a job in L.A. because we understand the struggle is real. Yeah. Moved to L.A., started working at ABC. And then I started hosting, like being a hostess at a restaurant because the ABC newsroom was like kind of part-time. And then I kind of got recruited to do videos, I guess, around the same time. And it just was like, why not? Like, you have to make money. For and sure. This is an easy way and I can fit it in between the schedule of these two jobs. So that's kind of what it was. Absolutely. And I was at that age where it was just like, cool. you know, it was fine. It was yeah. like not a big deal. Yeah. And, and you know, like I said, it was before like, you know, twerking. So it was not a lot of work to be, you know, a video girl on set. It was like, you just have to be pretty and get dressed up and do hair and makeup. And I was yeah. like, who doesn't want to do that? Yeah. So it was, you know, just fun. What was it like not having as much like direction at that time? coming out of dealing with your masters where something like so solid and so like something you've been working towards so often and you're going to TV, but it's like now you're back in LA and juggling these different things. I loved it. It was kind of one of the few times in my life where I've had no very, I didn't have any kind of real direction, but I was comfortable it was like one of the few times Mm. it was one of the few times i've never felt that comfortable with like kind of being all over the place i don't think before that or after that Mm. it was like a a window so i'm glad i i had the i don't know what happened how it happened but i'm glad it happened so you're pretty content 
I was super content. I mean, I was turning up. I was having fun. I was making enough money to make ends meet. I didn't have like a big overhead at all. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, I was like renting a room somewhere and I think my car was paid for. I was just kind of like enjoying, just enjoying myself and like kind of maybe celebrating my accomplishments up for until, sure up until then yeah. did the future start creeping in in your mind like like what's next or was it more so like let's just enjoy this while it's yeah i wasn't thinking what's next it just felt like mm. got you yeah and i mean yeah because i was like i'm making money and i'm you know i live in a i have a pretty good place to live and i have a car that works and you know i didn't want for anything yeah i wasn't really thinking and about you were enjoying life yeah yeah Back with the Mercedes is like rolling around. I did not have a Mercedes, though, remember. Yeah. I was looking at the No, Mercedes. I get the Volvo. You got the paid off Volvo. I was back in the town of Mercedes. I had the paid off. I think I was driving like a Supra. Oof, bad. <laughs> a Supra? A Supra? Uh, sh- the Supra's retired. They don't even make them anymore. They don't. Shout out to the Supra, that. though. But yeah, it was shout definitely out to the Supra. It was definitely sure. a Supra. <laughs> so when you got that call from Oprah, mm-hmm. what was going through your head at the time? I was like... That was like a snap into mm. reality. Mm. Like, okay, Itika, you've been running around and getting it, kind of figuring it out how to make ends meet, going from this job to this job to this job, working part time here, this, there. Like, now this is an opportunity to get a full time position, make great money, have benefits, you know. And be in the most inspiring workplace that you've experienced. And to so go far. back to Harpo. And so I, I jumped at it and I. When I flew out for the interview by the time I got home, because I, I think I had a cell phone. Maybe I didn't have a cell phone then either. Um, I was kind of late to the cell phone game, too. I don't know why. I mean, you know, often. You had a voicemail. I had a voicemail. I don't know why it was like late to the cell phone game. I don't know. It was weird. I think it was also like when you were watching Sex and the City and Carrie Bradshaw didn't have a cell phone yet. She was like over it. And maybe I was like trying to be like her. Like, you know where to find me. I feel you. Um, yeah, so they called me by the time I got back to wherever I was staying and they offered me the job and then they said like I had three weeks to move mm. to Chicago. It became real. And I jumped at it. I was excited about it. Because honestly, I hate to say it, but I because I'm, I always want to kind of be intellectually stimulated, I, wasn't, I knew I wasn't getting that piece here. Got sure. you. But it, I, I, I could see how it... it you, you could be content not having it because you've just been through it so rigorously mm-hmm, for mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. long. It's been such yeah. like an integral part of not only just your upbringing, but like everything that you've been focusing on. Yeah. So to kind of like relieve that valve and just do something a little yeah. more free, you know, must have felt good too. Yeah. Me. But by the time they called, I was kind of like, then I started thinking real thoughts like, mm-hmm. okay, what am I doing? Where am I at? how much is any of this worth yeah. if I leave it tomorrow? Cause I'm offered this job. Will any of it matter? And it was like, not really. Do you know what I mean? For sure. Like the things I thought about that I would miss, I didn't think that I would lose them if I moved to Chicago. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing to think about. Like yeah. whenever you have to make a big move like that, it's also mm-hmm. a very telling thing to think yeah. about. Like mm-hmm. when you get to the stage in life where, you know, it, because I feel like we all have, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but I feel like we all have these moments in our lives where I guess our fun level and like kind of like our self-worth level is like 
a little bit more tied into our surroundings mm -hmm, mm -hmm. than with ourselves. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, whether earlier or later or just at the right time, we kind of really started thinking about what the I, yeah. quote unquote, want. Because, mm -hmm. like, it's telling that you didn't want to be in Chicago because of the weather. Yeah. And then you came back to L.A. and you were, you were making it work. Yeah. And then the opportunity arose. And I was like, you know what? Like, it's time. Yeah. Right? Like, the, exactly the, there are certain times in, in, in our lives where whether it's unbeknownst to us, whether it's us making, you know, reaching out for a certain scenario or something coming calling, there's a readiness within us at, at a certain moment in our lives. For some yeah. people, it happens like later. Or some people, it happens on the onset. Mm -hmm. And others, it's just along the way. But I feel like we start to take a little more selfish approach to selflessness. Yes, 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 right. yes, 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 yes. That's um, very, yeah, yeah. And it's a beautiful thing to hear that, like, at that time, for you, it was like, you know what? I looked around me, mm -hmm. and that's not what I wanted. Yeah, no. And I thought of this opportunity, back to the experience that I had when I was working there, and how I'd be a fucking fool not to take this. <laughs> a fool. <laughs> right. <laughs> For real, but like that's the beauty of it, because like yeah, some people get that after hitting a rock bottom. Yeah, no, right? Like <laughs> what, what you just spoke of for me was yeah. like I was like wow, like I came to that realization like after I hit a rock bottom in my life and I bounced back, but like for me I was able to bounce back because I've always had it. Mm -hmm. It's just an internal like yeah. it's a mind thing. And I was not at rock bottom. I no, was, not, no, a, not yeah. at all. I'm not just saying close, like yeah. the beauty of your ability to just yeah. compartmentalize yourself and be like, okay, cool. This opportunity came. Mm -hmm. Not really cool with Chicago. Mm -hmm. Love LA, but what's better for me? Yes. I think that's the, the, the bigger picture there. Yeah. Of in that moment, it was like, what is going to be the best for me? Yes. And yes. for you, it wasn't academia in Chicago. It was going back to hard. And I also try to listen to the universe, if I can, if that sounds too like Mother Earthish. Not at all. But the fact that they called me, the fact that I wasn't looking for Absolutely. them, Absolutely. the fact that it was like, oh, the record playing again, it's like, okay, yeah, like I'm gonna pay attention to the mm. universe. I try not to fight it, and I had to learn that because I, I. Because I was so adamant about getting out of Richmond, I remember just feeling like things had to go a certain way. So For I could sure. get the out. This you know what I mean? Yeah. This came to me, but it also was. It came to me, but it was it all the way that it came to me. It was like, okay, the universe has me. Like I see, you don't Got always you. have to do this, this, and that to get to something. And this is and the, like let's not get it. This is Oprah and the universe. Yes, Oprah and the universe. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yes. For real. Yes. Like yes. Oprah like, first, that's, that's then great, it's, it's like Oprah first, great, and then and then the universe partner with the universe. Yes, she partnered with the universe. They yeah. came like, together. Like wait, Oprah the, was the Batman, universe, and, and the universe was Robin. Yes, it's like coming yeah. along. Like, yeah, let's right. be real. The universe Robin. partnered with her. <laughs> but that's what it was. It just felt like I didn't have to work for it. I didn't have to for kind sure. of manipulate and navigate and go to be a paralegal and figure out this is why. Like I just kind of it just came to me. So in that moment, I really couldn't say no. Yeah, I'm like now, come on, I would just be like spitting in the face of you for know, sure this whole thing sure. like yeah. i'm gonna take it. mother nature would not have taken that from you yeah it would have spit right back it was I'd, like, have, I'd have it have been some punishment going for down. real so that that's what i felt so it's like okay i have to it kind of felt like there's only one response to this which is mm. yes i'll be there and and then i'll just let the universe 
take over. It was that time for you. Mm-hmm. What was the position? It was an audience, like producer position. So basically, the Oprah Winfrey Show audience was produced, which is why it was so dope. Like her audience was so live and such an intricate part of the show because we produced it. We hand selected every single person that sat in a seat. It wasn't like, like out here, you know, you see somebody on Venice beach, they give you a little ticket, come to this place. And it wasn't like that. Like we treated our audience like they were our guests. Mm. We hand selected them. We told them what to wear. We told them what time to come. We treated them like, you know, royalty because we wanted them to be there and we wanted them to participate in the show and we needed them for the show to be a success for it to look beautiful for sure you know we cut to the audience all the time so we need our audience to look a certain way to go with the aesthetic to go with the theme blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. so i did that for like three to four seasons incredible how'd you uh how'd you fit into that position? Did you feel good? Was it, I felt really good. And it, it's one of those things in my life where it felt too good. Really? So sucks. Uh, I hate that, that about me. If something feels too good, if I'm too comfortable, I'm not like that anymore. I used to be like that though. Not like that anymore. I'm like, Ooh, this feels good. Thank God. <laughs> Let me just sit saddle. Let me yeah, just sit okay. down and just like, sit here, put my, I'm not put my feet up. Oh, this is good. good. Don't ask me to move. Don't ask me to roll over. This feels real good right now. But I was at a stage in my life where if it felt too good, I was like, mm, I need this to feel a little uncomfortable. I to grow. Which I did. For sure. So basically, being the audience director, I was like the first line. They say you're the first line of defense. Like, So you're the first people that they meet before they meet Oprah. Mm-hmm. And they treat us like we were Oprah. Like if we did anything that made them feel a way, it was like, you know, you're going to hear from my blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. You treated me like this. So it was that was hard. You're, yeah, you're a representation. Yeah, of, you're a representation. So what was good about that with me is I, I like to say I have a high EQ, right? You're emotional, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, and so I could, I can read people. I can sense people. I can, I can gather people. Like I can get, gather them together, like, help them get it together Mm -hmm. so i feel like a lot of that was just wrangling grown women (laughs) and i was able to do it very well (laughs) i had a a good for whatever reason i was able to wrangle hundreds and thousands (laughs) of grown ass women for years that's that's crazy that's actually yeah that's crazy to think about because in a show like that too where you know the audience is such a huge part of the show yes and beyond just the aesthetic Mm -hmm. like the the vibe i mean even from like doing this podcast on this small extremely (laughs) intimate level like it's so important Mm -hmm. to us in the guests that we have on Mm -hmm. and thinking about that and the audience on on a macro level a worldwide massive yeah show as big as that yeah. There's got to be so many layers that go into that. So many layers. I mean, people who came to that show, most of them were women. And a lot of those women were emotionally needy in a lot of ways. Whether they, you know, were dealing with heartbreak or they were dealing with certain illnesses. Like a lot of people came that were like cancer survivors mm, or people yeah. that wanted to bring their mom because this was their mom's like, you know, aging and she's our one last wishes to see Oprah. So there were just all of these like very because she's speaking to the people. 
Yes. And you being a gatekeeper of those seeking. Yes. To it see. was. It was unreal. It was. It was. It was pretty. When I think about it now, like pretty crazy. But yeah. it was. Oh, really? But, uh, yeah. For but I sure. did that um, for four seasons. Yeah. And, and it, it was. And I loved it. I worked with an amazing team of very present, aware women that were that we knew what our job was and we did it with pride and we treated everyone super respectfully and we wanted everyone to leave there saying nothing but great things and, and having super, you know, positive memories. So it was a very, it was, it was life changing. And I feel I'm very proud of the work that I did when I was working. How how did that affect you? Mm -hmm. Like that, that, that period, Mm -hmm. how did that affect you in terms of just like, the experience and the transformational aspect of it. Like what was that in that time of your life for you? Um, it kind of, wait, how did I'm so, it's so interesting. Cause I was so, I think I had a lot of a responsibility at a young age. Mm-hmm. Cause I started that job at 24 mm. that I didn't really know how to, I didn't really grasp it. Gotcha. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just doing like I knew because like I said, the, it's the EQ, right? Yeah. So when your EQ is kind of up, you just there, know how you just know how, but you don't really know what you're doing. Yeah. Um. So I really I don't I don't know. I loved it. I loved I know I loved it. For sure. I know I enjoyed it. I know I love the team I worked with. Is it more one of those where you can like look back, like even just like as time passing back? Like, damn, like, OK. Like it's like you get like the residual build from it. This is what I will say. I I learned a lot about people. I did. I learned a lot about people and people's needs, mm. people's emotional needs, people's what people just need. Because I didn't come from a place where people's emotional needs really matter because we were really about survival. Mm. You know, where I grew up, it was like, we didn't care about it. But you crying? like what's going on like such and such this and that like sorry for your loss but we got to we got things to do over here yeah so it really did give me like a sharp like jerk when it came to like oh my gosh like all of these people have Mm. these emotional needs and i have to tap into my emotions Mm -hmm. to satisfy their needs and even if that need is simply to see this woman that they're used to seeing on tv every day but she has to be seen in person because it's going to satisfy this thing yeah like i was fully aware of that Mm. so that tapping into that i think has created a more emotional person because i wasn't before mm. then, I believe. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Yeah. So especially so driven by like academia, for yeah. sure. Um, that your kind of emotions could could kind of hang in the background. They were not. They had no resource. They were yeah. the one I need them it's for. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like they're just gonna hold me back. <laughs> sure. Like the oh. ten minutes is gonna take me to cry over something, or ten minutes. Look, ten minutes is gonna take me to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. that's the time I had allotted, and that was too much. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's like temp for the year. That's <laughs> yeah, for, all the year. for the year. year. For the year. So um, yeah. And, and being in a in an environment, it, it, it's so interesting because it's like even beyond the job, you're 
with Oprah every mm-hmm. day. Yeah. That's insane. I know, like, isn't it? It, it, it? It's probably like humanized and normalized for you. Yeah, yeah. But for the rest of everyone, yeah, it's pretty insane. And That's it's crazy, like, <laughs> actually even thinking about it, like being in that terms of, like, in that position of guard to the, like, it, it, it's not only like being with the queen. Yeah. But also having the whole community wanting to see the queen as well. Yeah. Like, you get to see a side of people. Yeah. That, I guess, like, a lot of normal folk don't. Yeah. And especially for somebody with, like, when dealing with emotional intelligence and uh-huh. dealing with emotions, like you're getting the gamut of mm-hmm. it. Well, it's, mm-hmm. it's hilarious. Like even watching the last um, award show where Oprah was like in the front row. Yeah. And, um, every actor that went up, they were like, oh, and Oprah's right in front yeah. of me. Like, it's just like you see the instant I mean, she, she has, has that on impact people. on people. She yeah. has that impact on me. Mm-hmm. She just does. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's just a presence. You feel it. It like, vibrates like i can't even tell you like if you try to deny it you're a hater (laughs) like you feel it you feel it you know you do (laughs) i'm like you know you feel it she just does it's just it's like a gift it's just something but it's it's all it's the real deal is Mm. what i'll say it's a real deal so why'd you leave the show ended okay so So i worked in a few other departments there i left the audience department after a few years, and I worked in a few other departments, and then the show ended, and then I moved back to L.A. Oh, wow. So you were there till the till the end. Till the bitter end. Till the bitter end. The wow. bitter, 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 bittersweet end, bittersweet end. Yeah. Was that tough for you? It wasn't because I was ready to get out of Chicago again. Oh, <laughs> I was like, Chicago. Yeah, we got to go. I was there. What what Remy say? Like six winters and seven summers? I don't know. That's how I felt. <laughs> I was there for plenty of winters. I was over it. I was ready to get yeah, back. Yeah, I couldn't do that. Yeah, it was a lot. But it now it's lot. like coming back to LA is you're such a different person. Yeah. Or, I mean, are or, you? Or are you? That's a cool. Yeah. Better. I came back to LA. Ugh, this is like the part of my life that I don't necessarily. I'm not ready to legend. I don't know why I'm not ready. But I'm go. just. It's. I came back to LA. Having worked with Oprah and this amazing woman and heard the the book of Oprah for eight years and just soaked it all in and I was living my best life and I was abiding by all the rules of the secret and I was like doing that and I came back to LA to a situation that and I was like a shell of myself. Mm, really? It was really crazy. Mm. It was crazy. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Now, in 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 trying to brush <laughs> through this, yeah, you, you don't have to, you have to. how long did that last? It lasted acutely, like the just being in it, not long. So okay. I had the wherewithal to get out of it. Okay, but the residual the residual effects of it lasted a couple of years okay mm-hmm. what was it like for you in overcoming that um what was it like i went to therapy okay and i realized that i had i was like traumatized i was in a very traumatic i was i was traumatized i was it was everything was tra- 
it was a traumatic situation. I was being traumatized. And uh, that's the best way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, my therapist said one thing. She was like, when you're in the picture, you can't yeah. see it. Like yeah. when you're part of the painting, you can't see the painting for what it is because you're part of it. For sure. So I couldn't see what was happening because I was in it. Yeah. And I had to get out of it. Yeah. And I was just, I just had to work. I had to do a lot of work to get out of it. And For I got sure. out of it. Um, but it took a long time. It took a long time. It yeah. was a very, it was just, I don't know what, I don't know what happened. I don't know why. It was just like, I don't know. I think it, as women, I think. I and don't not want, to not to dwell uh-huh. on, on this, but this is. A relationship <laughs> and a growth from it. Yes, correct? yes, 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 yes. Cool. Yeah. Um, and naturally, all of these things take time. Yes, yes. Whether it's a relationship, whether it's a traumatic experience, mm-hmm. whether it's life in and of mm-hmm. itself, whether it's our own insecurities mm-hmm. in how we view the world, mm-hmm. like these things happen. Yeah. Um, and experiences. But there's a lot of shame involved with it when you're like a woman who kind of prides yourself mm-hmm. on being like together sure. and strong and... Um, Been on the Oprah. Yeah, wave, you know, or, and then everybody looking at you on the sideline like, bitch, please. Well, you know, <laughs> for sure. Like, what the heck? You know what I mean? For sure. You know, so but, you're like... I don't know how I got here. (laughs) Well, but I I think that's real, though. You Mm -hmm. know, I think you have to. And I feel like, to be honest with you, like, like men and women go through this Mm -hmm. the same Mm -hmm. in the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I could tell you straight up, like, I've been through a relationship where, like, I literally looked at my friends, Mm -hmm. and they were looking at me from the standpoint of, bro nobody would ever step to you verbally Mm -hmm. and you over here taking this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. who are you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it took a lot a lot of those convos for me to figure it out Mm -hmm. but like there's a beautiful it's also a blessing in disguise when i think about that Mm -hmm. right for me in in my experience you know what i'm saying like we like we all as human beings go through whether it's within a relationship or whether it's like within an experience in life, like we all go through these periods where we feel like the foundation is is set in stone and it's a glass house. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you know what I mean, man. Yeah, my my girlfriend's mom told me something when I was going dealing with everything. She said, she said, um, don't take any wooden nickels. I was like. What are you talking about? She's like, trust me, just don't take any wooden nickels. And I'm like, wooden nickels? And I'm like, it's all I got in my purse is wooden nickels. <laughs> <laughs> all wooden nickels. So, yeah, so coming back was very traumatic for me mm-hmm. personally, but professionally, <laughs> I kind of landed on my feet. I got a job with AEG at LA Live um, in marketing. That's what I decided I want to do when I got back to LA. It's like, I want to work in marketing. Yeah. Like, I want to work in marketing. That's one of the departments I loved at the Oprah show that I wasn't able to get into, but I loved it just from the outside looking in. I started working at AG at LA Live in marketing. Um, and that position 
really set was part, you know, it's, it was part of what set me up to run my own business. A hundred percent. Everything I learned before then set me up to be, I think a hundred percent, the person that I am, Mm -hmm. but business acumen, I observed a lot at the Oprah show, obviously. So I observed how she treated her employees. I observed the quality of the work that was done. I observed, you know, all of those things, but the experience, like the feet on the ground was starting with my marketing position at AEG. Mm. You know, I think this is, it's a really cool thing that I want to touch on of this professional place that you're in, this Mm -hmm. kind of very positive experience that is giving you some, some place to grab onto like an anchor while you're going through also this traumatic experience. Absolutely. Um, I think it's important to have those, Mm -hmm. those two things before you can dive really deep into the darkness. One thing I really wanted to ask though, was what made you, you don't have to answer. (laughs) You can say, I I just, I'm just going to throw it out there and we see what happens. I'll start like this. I think therapy, like I'm, I'm just such a huge advocate for it. Right. Yeah. I'm in it for 10 years, like I told you. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the biggest things that bothers me mm-hmm. is the stigma based around it. Yeah. For men, for women, for children, for, for everybody. Right. I think, you know, you go to the doctor when you have a broken arm, you, you know, you, you, or when you're sick, you take medicine. But for some reason, we associate like mental health totally differently. Yeah. I guess from this angle. Mm-hmm. Saying like what compelled you or had enough courage to kind of get over that with yourself and dive into therapy to kind of help. I don't know if I phrase that the best way. No, no, way, no, you're right. But I just want to touch on that for the person for or whoever's sure. listening yeah, to no. just have a voice from your perspective. No, my girlfriends, one in particular, have been telling me I needed to go to therapy for years. And I was like, girl, bye. I didn't think I needed therapy. I'm like, girl, I'm fine. I'm having a good time over turning up and blah, blah, blah. I'm in Chicago, blah, 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 blah. I just not listen to her. And then things started just getting really real, like mm. to the point where I couldn't ignore what was happening and I couldn't stop it. And it was kind of snowballing. And I knew I was not in control. I was like, I am not in control of this situation, like on any level. And I was talking to one of my coworkers at the Oprah show and she was like, you know, some of us go to therapy. And I was like, my girlfriend's been telling me to go to therapy for years. She's like, yeah, we go to therapy. We, some of us go see this one particular woman. She's like, I'll give you her information. I was like, okay, fine. I went to see her. And in the first session, she basically told me what the heck I was dealing with. And she gave me a book. And I started reading the book and I'm like, yo, this is my life right now. I read that book cover to cover and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is my life. This is what I'm dealing with in one session. And I was sold. I was like, I'm going. And I was I knew enough to knew one session was going to cure whatever I was going through. And then it was just a matter of fixing whatever the issue was like what is going on that Mm. I'm now that I've been in this situation that I'm making these decisions and I'm hearing these things that I'm, I'm just responding in these ways. You know, I needed to really get to the bottom of everything. Like I was now I was like, okay, I get it. I'm, you know, you, you, you (coughs) had me at, she had me at hello for sure. Mm -hmm. And then I started um, going every week for three years. Amazing. 
Incredible. Yeah. From that point on. That's amazing. Incredible. Yeah. It would save my life. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Like for anybody listening. Yeah. Like, yeah it's, it, no, what, like it, it, it's one of those things that it's like, I feel like when you go, even when it's like nothing's wrong or you're feeling a type of way or you're kind of insecure about a thought that you have, like the beauty of an unjudgmental ear mm-hmm. is something that's like, because just imagine. One of the most beautiful things when I look at the thought of even therapy mm-hmm. is we should be going and being able to be as open as we are with our friends and our family. But yes. for some reason or another, we're not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to be able to have somebody that we're able to speak to openly about whatever the fuck it is. Right. It's it's a Absolutely mind-bogglingly mm-hmm. freeing mm-hmm. scenario, and they're not—they're not there to judge you. Yeah, they're there to help you and to heal you. Yeah, and to, and to you know, whatever. But like, just imagine well, even even the thought of vulnerability yeah. amongst us. Yeah. yeah, right. Because so many of us have to deal with the thought of judgment. Yeah, in okay. scenarios. Yeah, like if if people if everybody around us had an open ear. Yeah, right. And at the same time, everybody around us was able to like vocalize their mm-hmm. truest thoughts. Yeah, there's a there's a freedom to that. I agree, hundred percent. You know and, what I mean? And like, you're, and you're also it, you're also seeing it across from a professional who understands how the mind works, absolutely, and can see things from other perspectives that you never even knew existed. Like they'll open doors that you're like, oh, oh damn, oh, you know. No. And, and when I tell you, with the first session, yeah. she was like. She pegged me and she gave me a book and the book was like my life. Yeah, no. It's to, she so, like pulled it off. She's like, you should probably just read this. To be in that, that kind of environment, it, it is like going to a doctor when your arm is yeah. you're going to yeah. And, you know, it, it's such a productive thing and I always like, that's why I didn't want to press it, but I, yeah. I always like to take the opportunity to just speak on it for a second. For sure. And, um, also, while you're paralleling that with your professional life, mm-hmm. because a lot of times your professional life can't, you can't really afford that to fall. Yeah. You, know, you got to pay bills. You still have to res- have responsibilities. I remember I had a job when I first started going to therapy and I was having like panic attacks every hour, like on the hour, crazy shit. Yeah. I couldn't sleep. I would like call in like, oh, I, you know, I, I didn't sleep last night. I got to take the day off. I got to take the day off. And my boss just told me one day he's like, you know, it's okay if you like don't sleep for a couple of days. Like you're, you're gonna live, and uh, for some reason, like him saying that, <laughs> I was like, he's like, just come in, you'll be fine. I hadn't slept for like two, three days. At what? The time. Wow. He's like, just come in, you'll you'll be fine. And like I came in tired and delirious. He's like, just do some work, you'll be good. And I did some work. I went home and I passed out after that. Wow. And I think just having that it created enough anxiety that that was being sacrificed. So to have that like sense of, of safety there of something that I felt confident in, I was good at sounds like for you too, like having a G in this career professionally by your side helps with confident helps kind of take you out of your head helps with all those things. And you can't really afford for that to, to fall into while you're dealing with some other stuff. Absolutely. And because I'm a worker, like I'm used to having a job and that kind of defines me too. Mm-hmm. 
So it's like, if I'm not working, like, who am I? Yeah. What mm. am I doing? You're already feeling like some loss of like yourself yeah. In, yeah. in whatever you're going through. Yeah. And to lose that side of it, it's like, no. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm just, yeah, I'm just kind of useless. It was what I would unfortunately tell myself. I wish that I could work on too, though. Cause you know, I won't work forever. For sure, yeah. <laughs> for sure. I'm gonna be chilling on a yacht in San Tropez and stuff. Well, it's interesting it. to hear though, like in this new experience that it did give you, you know, it opened another door into um, giving you another perspective on business. Yes, and how important that is. And it gave me the tools that I needed to promote my business. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known how to promote my business in modern day you know everything from like business etiquette yes to to the the sense of it Mm -hmm. um i mean what what are some of the things you kind of really like learned that you took as assets and tools from there it's so i mean it's so much so basically when i worked at ag our marketing team did all the marketing for all of la live so we marketed the staples center and everything that happened in there so it's clippers game you know lakers games concerts um, Sparks, concerts, Grammys, MTV awards. We marketed Regal LA Live. That was my account. So awesome. we did over 200 premieres. So making sure that those premieres were, you know, up and running, executed, everyone got their tickets, all the celebrities. I mean, we did Fruitvale Station's premiere. We did, you know, I mean, the... LA Film Festival, like list goes on and on. So we had like high end folks coming through there. We marketed all the restaurants. So you've got Katsuya and Fleming's. So essentially the what it takes to promote that venue, LA Live, as a marketer, as a marketing team, like every ask every tool, every like marketing asset known to man like we took advantage of from digital to print to email to social media so i was privy to all of that Mm -hmm. so i knew how many emails were going out what day what time how many things were printed what calendar was printed what newspaper we were printing in if we were you know putting digital um specs up somewhere around LA live, how much that cost. I was ordering things. I was like, just given the blueprint. Mm. Big. And that's huge. That's top, and I was top. taking it all in. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. Cause I knew that I was learning. I knew that I was there to learn mm-hmm. because I didn't have any prior marketing experience. So I was like, okay, I got a, and I'm at AEG at LA Live, no prior marketing experience, and I'm just thrown in here. Like I'm taking it all in. Yeah, and I did, and then I left <laughs> <laughs> after a couple of years, after two years. <laughs> and there's so many interesting things about you know we live in this day right now where entrepreneurism. Entrepreneurism, mm-hmm. entrepreneurship. Let's just go with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's it's become a buzzword. Yeah, um, but there's something we said for jumping into the corporate world and right. understanding big business and how right. it functions. Right, because 
how to write in and then also being able to jump off that cliff yes Yes. big time yes big time yes but like something as simple as writing like an email and understanding absolutely business email etiquette yes and the intricacies with that and honey i got first class let me tell you when i was at one of my jobs i'm not going to say which one i was told by a boss that you should put in the email the order of superiority on, on CC, on CC, yep. And I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. I would just CC CC the first name that came to mind. They're like, no, the president goes first, and then yeah. the VP, and then the yep. assistant, and then the so even things like that. I don't take that for granted that I learned that. I'm very cognizant of the things that I learned while being in corporate America. I'm very cognizant. The difference between signing your signature as best, best regards, (laughs) all the best, warm regards. Like they all kind of. Meanwhile, I sign it. Cheers. Cheers. That's what I like. But I get get I'm communicating something. Sometimes I say cheers. Sometimes I say best. You know, I either do best or cheers. Yes. But it's like my cheers is like, because I still want my business to come off. I don't want it to come off as corporate. Oh, I want it to course. come yeah, off yeah, as yeah. like more fun and we're about to do but, something but that, exciting. Even that's a part of the But the, I understand that I'm that. communicating yes. something. Yes. Yes. You're not going to, you know, if you want that feel, you're not going to be like best, warmest regards. Yes. Sincerely. I'm never going to do it sincerely. <laughs> I'm never. Oh, and, and then what about thank you, period? People get so oh, mad about man. that. I'm like, it's a period. They're like, no, but you don't <laughs> period after thank you like that's just like rude i'm like thank, oh my god thank you <laughs> thank you period i know people get <laughs> thank you the period's almost like the t- yeah i know people get so the offended with like the, the bitch like the, thank you bitch i know i like the fact with that people get offended yeah. the thank you period is yeah. offensive so, I but, you, but, you, but you know there, there's something to be said even on that level yes of like business style. Yes, 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 yes. Understanding how to roll out an entire campaign yes. to the protocols, to the entire process of like, all right, we're going to take this from step one and execute to 10. Absolutely. Um, and those those tools are just so valuable. So, uh, you know, I, I encourage people not to like, don't jump and say like, I want to be an entrepreneur because you want to fucking have a Corona and sit on a laptop on the beach <laughs> and do your fucking work there. Like, if you have a, a, uh, an opportunity to jump into the corporate side to learn some stuff, take it. Yeah, take sure. it. My cousin, so I had a cousin, shout out to big families because you got a cousin to do everything. Yep. I had a cousin who was a real estate agent. So essentially he's in sales and he's an entrepreneur. But he used to tell me while you're working at all these businesses, he's like, we're going to call it the cubicle theory. Mm-hmm. He's like, sit in that cubicle and suck it all in. And mm-hmm. he told me that from like the gate. Cause he always wanted me to have my own business and he just saw that for me. I necessarily, I didn't necessarily see it for yeah, me. He ever, saw it for me. Wow. No, I never saw it for myself. I want to ask you a question. When did you, or do you currently <laughs> see it for yourself? Because I feel like a lot of us, that's the scariest part. Yeah. Right. Because, so many of us can see what we're told we should, mm-hmm. but I feel like the X factor of like the self, mm-hmm. just like when the call came and yeah. you're in LA and yeah. you're like, all right, need to make this yeah. choice. I feel like even still, like whether it's entrepreneurial or even if we like dumb it down to just life in and of itself, mm-hmm. like there comes a point where it's like the elixir is 
believing in ourselves. Yeah. Whether how grandiose or whether how minuscule it actually is, like just the thought of like, okay, I'm thinking about this. Like it's beyond that like goal setting bullshit and all that. It's just like, I can see that. Yeah. Um, gosh, so it happened recently. It happened recently. It didn't happen years ago. Incredible. It happened recently. Incredible. Yeah. And it was with my current boyfriend, who's also my business partner. And we, I was transitioning out of working for a company and applying for jobs and getting great interviews with great companies. And he's like, talking to me on my former employer and like, you did this, you did that. He knew I pretty essentially ran the business and he's like you should just open a business like same business because you ran that business and did pretty good and it's you know makes that kind that industry makes good money and i think we could do it and i was like are you sure and he's like yeah he's like yeah i'm pretty sure and then I was like, you going to hold me down? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very real thing. I was like, because how I know how to make money is this way. Yeah. This other way that you're proposing is a whole new, you know, Ooh. so you going to hold me down. And he was like, yeah. I was like, okay, let's do it then, you know. Shout out to B. <laughs> For real. And we did it and it's been so awesome. And he's and it's just been and I couldn't I couldn't see myself working for someone else. I just couldn't. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope I'm I don't have to, you know, because I feel like what I'm offering now is so much greater than what I was offering able to or would be able to offer working for another corporation i think Absolutely. what i'm offering now is like really when they're like god gives you a gift you have to kind of do it. you have to live it out you have to that's your gift back to him yeah you know i really or her i really think what i'm doing now and how i'm showing up in the world is how i'm supposed to show up mm. and it, and i feel like it's a blessing to myself and to others and i hope that i can continue to show up in this way yeah. for a very long time and it's a blessing that the experience that you had up until this point. Yes. And also even sends the experience, like finally the belief mm-hmm. and the support. Yes. Right. Because I'll just put it honestly, like, you know, shout out to our partners and those that like teach us something and those that are there for us and that like help us build something. Right? Yes. But like that in and of itself is still fickle when it comes in comparison to belief in self. Yes. Right. To know that somebody has our back is one thing, Mm -hmm. but to be able to take it on internally is something that may never need to be spoken of. Yeah. But it's a very powerful thing. And to have, you know, the support of of your boyfriend and your partner. Yeah. Right. And companion and person in your life. That's a that is something that like allows it to grow and be even more significant and it's beautiful that again at the right time at the right time all of your experiences uh-huh. came to head yeah and it's so interesting i read this book lean in you guys heard that book mm-hmm. what's her name cheryl sharon says cheryl sandberg yeah she wrote in her book about the importance for women of having a supportive partner. And she basically said that will make or break your career as a woman. 
if you have a partner that's willing to support you and be there for you, whether it's your ex-husband who's there to help support you while and you know take care of the children and blah 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 or your current partner it doesn't have to be you know but just having uh, your 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 lover your partner who's willing to support you she's like that is so important to women I think it's more important to women because we do lean to our men you know we do in a different way than you guys with your women you know we're like uh, help us with our confidence you know we we may not even know that we're doing it but we're really looking to you to kind of lead even if we're you know women of you know a certain stature we're still saying you know what do you think or can we get here boost us up you know that kind of thing and she talks about in her book and she and at the time i i read and i was like okay that's an interesting statement and now i'm like i'm living it i'm like i had that support and and it really has it really has benefited me in a lot of ways i'm i'm very very grateful for it i'm very grateful for it now you have your business is a flower business yes old vine florals old vine florals yeah what (laughs) it do which which as a and that might come to anyone who's just heard your story. <laughs> might have come like, oh, wait, a what business? I know. Did it's you a say flower a marketing? No, I, I said a flower, a flower business. business. Now, <laughs> and, and that's not even like a downplaying thing. It's just it's just a different lane. But um, one, what made you go into the flower business? I know it was the past job. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But it's so different from what you've done. Because I also want to talk about the fact that for face value, yeah, it's flowers but it's still a business and you're still an entrepreneur and there's a lot of challenges and things that you have to go through in building a world-class business. Yeah. Um, so I started working for a florist, very, very popular (laughs) florist out of the four seasons, Beverly Hills as a marketer. Mm -hmm. I was hired or he was a client. So he's like contracted marketing. I started doing my own. I started having marketing clients after leaving AEG. Um, and I went from being him being my marketing client to being his head of marketing and then kind of being his general manager. So I was a general manager running this flower business. And I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed flowers. They were beautiful. We had amazing clients. I mean, our clients were high, high end. Louis mm-hmm. Vuitton, Cartier, Chateau Marmont, you know, the Four Seasons, obviously. Celebrities, you know, I could name them to me more Nicole Richie blah 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 so we were just the top tier florist the go-to florist incredible and I was kind of doing everything you know overseeing the flower buy so what flowers we were buying what flowers were in season vases deliveries design hiring letting people go you know um payroll i was just it wore every hat i was running this business and when it was when i left and it was time to kind of look for another position i didn't want i didn't i didn't i didn't really want to start my own business but i had all the tools and i knew what it took to run a flower business i'd left there knowing how to run a flower business yeah and so i started and it excited you and it excited me and i enjoyed it and i loved it and so I started a flower business because <laughs> I'm like, I know how to run a flower business. That's what I know how to do. Yeah, I know how to run a flower business. So I'm going to start a flower business. It was just that simple. It wasn't like that was just like that. 
And the, the thing is, though, when you're running a business, there's so many other factors that get involved when it's your own business For that sure. you have to think about. Everything yeah. from what type of you know corporation or LLC you're going to do to the you know business side of it, of it, all the way to your brand, your messaging, you know, getting clients, you know, being the owner and the person that works there, and trying all those things. Like it's super intricate that you have absolutely, to deal with. Absolutely, absolutely. Talk a little about the building blocks and, and maybe the challenges of that, as well as speak on being a woman entrepreneur and also mm-hmm. a black woman entrepreneur, which. <laughs> I just threw out there, but I, I, I want to hear from that perspective while you're jumping into the world of business for any yeah. entrepreneur, because you could run a business for somebody, you could work at a company, but when you're out there alone, well, you have your, your boy. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not totally alone. But not totally alone. When it's your company, when especially old Vine that's so close to old, yeah, like you, yeah. there's this intangible thing mm-hmm. that personal. Yeah. You can't detach. You can't be like, I'm yeah. doing this for him. If, if, if shit fucks up, it's really on him. I'm running it, but it's on him. It's on me. It's on you. Yeah. And it's you out there. It's a reflection of you. Yeah. Not yeah. Oprah, not yeah. AEG, not Flower yeah. Homie, you. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. For real. I know. Um, gosh, I hope I, this is this a lot. I hope I can answer it. Um, yeah, no, properly. I just dro- I dropped it. <laughs> but just, just, he was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I just threw. I know, <laughs> no, but though, though, that's that's just the <laughs> angles. Some things that I, you know, to, to talk um, about. Um, so I feel like I don't know if it's I don't know. This is that nature versus nurture thing. Sure. I've always, for lack of a better way of saying this, gave a shit about what people thought. I have. Yeah. I'm not one of those people like I don't give a shit what people think. For I sure. do give a shit about for what sure. people think. Yes, for it sure. matters to me. It exists. It's my. I'm representing myself. I've yeah. always been like that. I as far back as I can remember. So I treat my business like that. I give a shit what people think about my flowers. I do. I'm not sitting here like here go some flowers and give me some money and bye. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like I want these to be the most beautiful flowers you've ever seen. I want them to be fresh. I want them to last hopefully a week. <laughs> I want your friends to come over and love them. I want the you to call me back for more. Like I want everything for you in these flowers. Mm. And that's how I am with myself personally. So I pour into my flowers, I pour into my business, what I've always poured into myself. I care about what people think. Yeah. I don't think that's overrated. I think it's actually proper. Absolutely. So <laughs> So that's how I run my business. And I care about what people think from the flowers I send to my clients to the wholesale floral people that I buy my flowers from. Like I have a great relationship with my wholesalers. I have a great relationship with, you know, my, the, the guys that I buy my vases from. <coughs> I have a great relationship with my interns. Like I just feel like across the board, treat people well, respect yourself, show people that you give a shit and people will give a shit about what you're doing. Mm. And then there's no, ex- and then there's no, there's no, like that doesn't change. Like, there's no exceptions to this rule. I give a shit, so you give a shit. And we often give a shit and have a great time. And that's what we're doing over here. Mm. (laughs) 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 I mean, is that rocket science? No. You know, it, it's that's Itika science, though. <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> that's for real. I'm like, is it? For real. Know. No, but for real. Know. That's incredible. <laughs> But like it, you have to get there, yeah. Because like to be able to 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 truly, I guess like 
whittle it all down <laughs> to that, it takes experience. It does. Right? And it takes living to understand what you want from your business. Mm-hmm. And it also takes a deeper understanding of self mm-hmm. to be able to, to know that. Mm-hmm. Like, so many people are out here, I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. Well, put yourself in front of a fucking mirror and see what's good then. Really? You feel me? Like, <laughs> Seriously. Like, fuck everybody else. Like, look at yourself and say what you'd say to God knows who and see who looking like an idiot. Is you. it you or the reflection? And which one's different? Hello. You know what I'm saying? I mean. But that's the beauty of it. Like, that is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. You feel me? Like. And I feel like that was like the most gorgeous <laughs> summation of this incredible journey. 100%. Like, it all led to giving a shit. <laughs> for real. And, and the thing is, the, which but, you do. And, which and, I do. And if you I see, actually you know, do. If you see the work she, do. she's doing and you see her business, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I, I took, uh, <laughs> did flowers for my wedding. It's very oh. beautiful. Which was incredible. Were beyond incredible. Um, still getting compliments about it. But you can tell that you are really in your flowers and what you're doing and yeah. the representation of that, you know, and being an entrepreneur now or a business owner or whatever fucking <laughs> label you want to throw on it, like trying to get some money, like right, yes, Central yes, Pay yes, Chaser. All of that, all of that. With with all that being said in this kind of like new chapter, mm-hmm. are you finding it to be really exciting even the the hard parts of it yeah i mean i have some exciting stuff up my sleeve Ooh. i can't talk about right now oh damn top secret you gotta talk about after yeah. the show <laughs> when the mics are it is. super top secret but Incredible. yeah the universe is is what do they say? Conspiring. The universe is definitely Incredible. conspiring. So I have some stuff up my sleeve that's going to help take my business to another level. That I'm very excited about. And I think it's because this is what the universe wants me to do. And it's, and it's, it's dope. It's like, thanks, <laughs> yeah. you know? So yeah, I think it's, it's all good. It's all good. All good. Shout out to the test of time. (laughs) Yeah. And like for anybody, like. Shout out to faxes back in the day. For real. (laughs) Dial up internet, faxes. Not having a cell phone and having to get home to find (laughs) out what happened. (laughs) But to be honest with you, 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 like your journey has been incredible. And and, and your ability to just. You know what I love about your story is that you you know yourself, mm-hmm. and however hard or or arduous it may have been, or however euphoric times may have been, you knew yourself in those times, and it's a constant evolution. Yeah. Um. And you know whether things broke you down or built you up, you're still swinging your punches, and you're still walking in your stride with your chin up. Yeah. And that's a damn inspiration. Oh, my God. You feel me? Who knew? I mean, Yeah, and you're continuing (laughs) to make it. Like, that's the beauty about this whole Mama, We Made It shit. Mm -hmm. Because it's not about making it. Mm -hmm. Because, like, the fallacy or truth, however we want to look at it, is that we're all continuously making it. Yes. Like, there's no destination. The destination is truly the pursuit of it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's what they say. They said it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And the only time you reach a destination is when you're dead. So like, yeah. what are we really talking about? Yeah. Talk to him. It's about the journey. It's a dope journey. I'm yeah. enjoying it. And I can't wait. <laughs> I, and I can't wait for your journey to continue to grow and blossom. I'm excited about it. It's happening, yeah. guys. That's it's the top incredible. secret part. Incredible. I, I do want to. What, <laughs> what the fuck what was, was that? that? What's, what's up to the journey? For real. <laughs> Man. I thought downtown was turned up. Little did I know. Hey, <laughs> Little For the real. Wilshire corridor. For real. Sirens. For real. Sirens like. blaring. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually gonna have Nushi ask this question. He knows what to ask because he does it so eloquently. Oh shit, we're about to go there. Oh god. Um, <laughs> and I'm I'm actually guessing right now because I haven't asked this in a fucking minute. But and tell me if I'm wrong though. You know what I'm saying? Like give me the side eye if I am. <laughs> But if there was if there was one thing that you could look back and tell to young Itika mm-hmm. that was just figuring her shit out, right, right, and knowing that she wanted to stand for something, knowing that she wanted to be something, mm-hmm. and not knowing how the fuck she was gonna get there, mm-hmm. what would you tell her now? I would tell her. Gosh, God, I would tell her so many things. Jesus Christ. Okay, what was the one thing I would tell her? I would tell Even her, if you can whisper something to her in passing. But this is not a whisper. I'm going to tell her. Well, shit, a if whole, you, I'm on a pockway. If you want to give her a monologue, then do it. But you got to stand up to the stage with this. Well, I know. What would I tell her? Um, I would tell young Itika to take more risks. Mm. I would. I would say take more risks. I would say risk it all, bet it all, because she, you're going to land on your feet, one way or another. I would just tell her to take more risks, risk it all, bet it all. Just do it. You're going to land on your feet. You're going to land on your feet, but just experience it. Because all you get, you can't do it. You're like, I got responsibilities and thoughts that are preventing me. But I, I would tell her to just. I would tell her to just take more risks for sure. Respect. Yeah. Dang. And there Itika, it is. Thank you so much for coming yeah, for on. Real. It's thank been an, you. an incredible this journey. It's been so fun. Oh thank my God. Yeah. I made it. Does this mean I made it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does this mean I made it? I'm yeah. done. I quit. I can quit now. I can move to Central Bay with my Corona. I made it. Hey. <laughs> no, thank you for, for coming on, being as vulnerable and, and telling your story the way you. You lived it, yeah. And hopefully, you know, this will inspire somebody or comfort somebody in so. the same positions that you were once at. And thank you. This is yeah. This has been thank you. And keep risking it all because, oh like, God. even Itika now, like, she'll do the damn same. I yeah. know she should. For Meanwhile, real. I'm like, uh, I'm yeah. young Itika. <laughs> I'm still young that. Itika. <laughs> Fine Itika, old vine florals <laughs> on real. IG. Connect. Yes. Drop her line. Love. Thank you, fellas. This is fun. Thank you. We out.